How's it going, everyone? This is Miles with Windows Central Gaming, and welcome to the 50th, the big 50th episode of Xbox Chatterdays. Today, I am stoked and honored to be joined by our legendary guest, executive producer of Sea of Thieves, Joe Neat. Joe, how are you doing on this fine Saturday? What, what an introduction. I'm, I'm great, even, even better now after, after that intro. Like, and uh, yeah, real pleasure to be here. And thank, thanks very much for the invite. Absolutely. Stoked that you could take some time out of your Saturday evening to come hang out with me, hang out with the community, and, and talk some video games. Um, obviously, 50 episodes, it's a pretty big milestone. And it's, it's still a little bit weird to me that we're, that we're here uh, as someone who's you know, more or less new to the industry. It's, it's consistently weird that I get to ask people to this show and they say yes. Uh, <laughs> so it really, it genuinely means a lot that you're taking some time and I'm really excited to be able to sit down and talk with you in this format. Um, Cause our audience here is amazing. They're gonna have a ton of great questions. I'm gonna have a ton of questions and we're gonna talk about a lot of things today. We're gonna be talking about that absolutely stunning Hellblade 2 trailer. We're going to be talking about Halo Infinite's campaign launching and, and stunning the world. We're going to be talking about the, the voyage of Sea of Thieves and, and so much more. Um, before we get into all of that, I just have to have, give a huge shout out to everyone who's, who's watched this show over the course of the last year and a half-ish. Um, it really means a lot. Like I said, I'm, I'm fairly new to the whole industry thing and... The fact that people trust me with the show and the fact that people tune into the show week after week is um, it's a little bit weird for me, to be honest, but it, it genuinely means a lot. So before we get into all the topics today, we got to get to know Joe. We got to take some time and, and know the man behind the, uh, the weekly Sea of Thieves updates, you know? So <laughs> Joe, can you give everyone in the audience here like a rundown of what your journey has been in game development? What, what was the very first game development gig that you had sure yeah so i i started quite a long time ago now but um as a, as a games tester uh, at electronic arts oh, nice. and yeah yeah so and i was working on a, 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 as a tester on, on fa premier league stars i think which was a um a football game that that um that ea did back in the day and i think there was theme park world was in development at the same time um so i kind of helped test that as well so it was you know i'm kind of dating myself aging myself here in terms of when i <laughs> when i started but you know it, it was a while ago but um and you know i think instantly i just realized that this was the industry for me i think you know it was i really enjoyed the process of testing i thought it was really interesting it was really kind of cool problem solving trying to find issues reproduce them figure out why they're happening um you know, it was, it was really satisfying kind of as, as, a, as, a, as a job, but also the culture, the people, the kind of, the, you know, the people you were working with. It was just a really great kind of environment to, um, to, to, to work in as a, as, a, as a young man kind of growing up and um, finding my way in the world, really. And <laughs> uh, so, you know, I started there. I kind of quickly progressed through kind of the, the QA ranks up to kind of being a QA lead and then a QA manager. I kind of, I think I just, I, you know, I quickly realized I had an aptitude for kind of, um, management and organization and, and kind of communication. Um, and so, yeah, so I went through a kind of, um, a, a number of years in, in QA and eventually, you know, I spent some time at IDOS after, after EA, which was, um, night call in Wimbledon in the, in the UK, working on Championship Manager and Tomb Raider and, um, a bunch of other titles around that time. Project IGI was, was in test at that time. It was a great game. Really. I really like that. Um, but 
and commandos as well you remember that the oh, commando yeah, the, yeah, yes. the strategy games Absolutely, yeah yep. yeah yeah kind of was lucky enough to go work in in spain actually in madrid kind of on site at the developer um uh, on the commandos too that was a lot of fun but but yeah so eventually i kind of made my way to midway which was uh, up in newcastle and so you know part of the great bit of the kind of historic midway um uh, games um like more combat fame and, and everything uh and i worked on wheelman like vin diesel's wheelman yeah yeah so that was my first production gig actually that was the first time i moved across from the, the qa side into into the production side and i kind of you know helped manage um a number of those gameplay features as part of that game so the cyclone kind of spinning move and the vehicle combat the vehicle melee stuff and basically kind of all of those kind of gameplay mechanics were were things that i i was involved in and um unfortunately midway went pop uh at like uh in about 2010 i think it was mm-hmm. um you know from from the us side so but but Midway was the first time I kind of crossed paths with Matt Booty, who's now head of Xbox Game Studio. So he was, you know, for, for a, a fairly short period of time, but he was the CEO of um, uh, Midway itself um, during their kind of latter phases. And also Craig Duncan, who's the studio head at Rare, was um, came into Midway about a year before it, it closed as studio head of, of Midway Newcastle. It was, again, the first time I, I worked with Craig and, and met him. Um, so after that closed, I went to Sumo Digital, coincidentally, the same place Craig went at the time. Um, and uh kind of we we worked on a on a few things there and, and craig joined rare i think about 10 years ago and i stayed at sumo for a couple of years finished sonic and all stars racing transformed um which was an amazing title actually and and um you know really enjoyed working on that with a really great team and and sumo digital are an amazing studio at the time and now an amazing company of many mm-hmm. many studios like the, the scale that they've grown in the um in the last kind of eight years has been amazing um but but yeah so I, I joined rare eight and a half years ago i guess and um and i've been there ever since it's been the longest i've been at any one company uh it's you know, i've been on sea of thieves for about seven and a half of those years i think which is pretty crazy um yeah yeah so um but yeah and, it, and it's kind of been the first title that i've been kind of sole executive producer on uh that i've been involved in from the very start in terms of kind of figuring out hey what do we want to go do next with rare which was a real privilege um and you know we had a, a small team of people figuring it out throwing ideas at the wall seeing kind of you know where did we want to go where did we want to land and and you know we came up with the premise for sea of thieves and then um you know went and went and built that and kind of na- you know navigated it through all of the challenges of the development and and um, um and now the kind of the live service um part of it too so yeah it's been an amazing kind of project for 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 all of us i think at the studio and um to, to work on and to go through all of that process of learning together and stuff because there's been so much learning on this right like so many so many things we did that were new to us and new to the studio so yeah real real kind of dream project i think for for so many of us yeah, obviously you know, and obviously most of the chat here knows that I'm a huge fan of Sea of Thieves, and it's been so fascinating to watch the, the journey of this game and, and watch the game evolve. I, I remember vividly seeing the, the first kind of glimpse of Sea of Thieves at E3 and immediately being captivated by the, the possibilities of this game, seeing, seeing the, the pirate sandbox, seeing the other players teased in that initial trailer, and ever since then, I've been I've been hooked on this this idea, and it's been so rad to see the team expand on this and grow this and and see what it what it's become since launch. So, 
yeah, it's 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 amazing. Obviously, I've been a longtime fan of Rare and a lot of their titles, dating back to uh, Donkey Kong Country on Super Nintendo, I think was the first time I fell in love with a Rare game. So what I want to know, as, as a younger man, before you were in the industry, was there any specific game you remember playing that said, this makes me want to make games? Playing this is the reason that I want to make video games. Um... I'll be I'll be kind of br brutally honest. I don't I don't think there was. I think I I obviously I grew up playing video games. So I, mm -hmm. I started I started on the Commodore sixty four uh, <laughs> back in the day. Like like you know getting that first kind of gaming um, computer was, was incredible. And so you know some of the titles that, you, that I played on that um, Ikari Warriors I think is one that, that springs to mind. I don't know if you know that it's like a scrolling kind of um, shooter from bottom to top. But you could get in tanks, you could get in vehicles. It was and you were kind of like a little Rambo kind of character. It was great. Um, but uh, and then the Amiga six hundred I think um, I, I went up to was I was real proud of. It wasn't the five hundred, wasn't the five hundred plus. It was the six hundred. It was the best one. Um, yeah. But 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was I, I really enjoyed it. And um, you know my parents put put a lot of money together for that at a time you know at a time when it was wasn't the easiest thing for them to do. But they you know they appreciated how much I loved games and and kind of really got me that for Christmas. I remember that. And I'm still very grateful. But. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, again, so many incredible games and incredible stuff that I've played. So I think I've definitely been inspired by so many games that I've grown up with, like like Worms. I think I played on the Amiga, oh. and yeah, like Outrun, um, like Turbo Outrun, uh, Lotus Esprit Challenge, like <laughs> all of the Team Seventeen games, like Body Blows, the fighting game, and oh, there's so many. I'm just thinking, I'm literally going through my my kind of shelf that I can remember <laughs> from my um, from my bedroom as a kid. But but yeah, so, so many games I um, I kind of grew up playing back then that were just yeah incredible and i think and just to see the gaming industry evolve as well while you were growing up to see these games getting better and better and just more impressive and stuff but i think probably if there's if there's one that, that sticks out in my mind um just in terms of i think showing the possibilities of of, of games and that kind of blew my mind at the time was the um the original metal gear solid demo that kind of came out of of kind of sneaking into the kind of um like marine base uh, and yeah. i think it was and yeah yeah so so that demo i think came on the front of a magazine or something i think it did um uh, that that i had on i think on the original playstation i think it was the original um and like just playing that and replaying that and replaying that and seeing the kind of different possibilities and just almost feeling how reactive the world felt to you and the kind of characters. I think that's something that's always been really special with with um, Metal Gear Solid, right? There's always kind of extra details, extra layers that you find as you're, as you're kind of playing and going through the, the kind of how the characters react to you and the, the interactivity of, of the world and stuff. So I think if there's one game that really kind of, I think, blew my mind and showed me it was possible, it would have been that. Um, I vividly remember that that de demo disc because yeah. I was a, yeah. as as a young lad I was subscribed to I think it was PlayStation Underground. If any of you yeah. remember that weird subscription fan service, and that's how you would get the demos for these games. So I remember getting the the PlayStation Underground package with the Metal Gear Solid demo on it, and just playing that over and over and over. Um, so yeah, that that's really cool. So now that we we have an idea of a little bit of Joe Neat's background. I, I want to play a game with you, Joe, and this is a game I play with, <laughs> with all of my guests. So it's, it's, you know, it's not a, 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 an attack on you, but can you pick <laughs> your three favorite video games and or franchises of all time? It's a, it's a tough one, but I, I kind of knew this was coming. So I've given it a bit of thought. Um, and 
I think you know the, the, sometimes this changes a little bit, but but generally I'm pretty consistent. I think, and so one of the games I remember from the Amiga, Sensible World of Soccer, um, which was the first. So there was Sensible Soccer that, that was the first one that kind of came out, but Sensible World of Soccer was the one where it was kind of the first time you could start building your own team, building your own squad, start buying players, kind of almost just playing out your fantasies of being a manager and, and being a player like in real time. And so as a kid growing up on my Amiga and being a big fan of, of football or, or soccer, um, uh, that you know, to, to have that and to be able to buy the players that I was watching on kind of TV and on, on the games that, uh, you know, that I was watching on Match of the Day or whatever channels um, games were on back then. And so, uh, yeah, just to be able to live that kind of that fantasy, that fantasy sort of football thing um, in a game and in a game that played amazingly as well. It was kind of, again, top down, but brilliant controls. Like just, it was, I don't know, for me, it was just such an immersive experience. And it was the first time I'd really got to kind of, yeah, live out that that playing football, but also managing and growing and plan, you know controlling players I knew and buying them and being like using my knowledge of the world to kind of go out and scout for players and and it was like Brian Roy was I can always remember buying Brian Roy who used to play for Nottingham Forest um, and was, I think it was Dutch and uh, you could always get him quite cheap and <laughs> but he was just great um, like really good for like one of the first buys you could stick up front because getting a good striker in that game was really important so you could kind of just get the ball to him and it and it bang in the goals and so. Yeah, Sensible World of Soccer was was one of the ones for me early on in um in my gaming time that I remember. I just think it was yeah, it was groundbreaking for its time for what it kind of allows you to do and um yeah, immerse you in that world. I loved it. So that's one. That's one. All right, what else we yeah. got on that list there? Yeah, yeah. And so that was developed in the UK as well by Sensible Software. Um, who made some amazing stuff. Made Cannon Fodder, I think they made as well. It was brilliant. Um, but so the next one, Deus Ex, um, the original Deus Ex. So, yeah, um, by Ironstorm, I think, I think it was. And uh, I think Warren Spector was, was involved in that one, wasn't he? I think he kind of, he led the development of that. So uh, for, it was just the immersiveness of that world and the choice that it gave you. Um, you know, the kind of, the, the RPG kind of elements and kind of having to choose your own way and what, like how you wanted to build up and the choices you want to make, whether you wanted to be stealth or more action-orientated or, or kind of, you know, being able to break into kind of places and things. But, but it was just every single kind of scenario throughout that title, just, it just gave you choice. And I think for me, that was, again, just something that kind of that blew my mind that you could just go and approach this and use your creativity, use your kind of own um, skills and, and brain in a way that wasn't just following what a game wanted you to do. And, and um, so it really felt like, you know, it was an adventure that you were on as a as a person, as a you know, as a, as a I, I was in that world. I was immersed into it. I was making the choices, and you know, and if stuff was hard because I hadn't gone the combat route, and you know, I hadn't built up my character that way, that and if I'd made stuff hard for me, then that was kind of that was just the result of my own of my own choices, right? And so I had to try and approach things in a in a different way. And um, I just remember the world of being so immersive and kind of that just um just how they built the world the characters just how it felt to kind of be there and um yeah i think it was an, an incredible game and i thought the um the kind of the remake that idos montreal did uh, was actually really good i thought yeah. i really kind of stood up stood up well to it um but yeah i've gone back and played um the original with just kind of you know a, a texture pack or whatever and it still holds up right it really does like it's just that that for me is an all-time classic um and um yeah so many just so many great memories of of, of playing that and um yeah just yeah felt like you were in a kind of in a movie right like really did a movie that you had your own choice you were immersed in it and um yeah loved it 
Yeah, one of the greatest feelings in the world is going back to a game that you vividly remember loving and enjoying and having it hold up, being able to replay it and be like, this, this still works. This still clicks. This isn't, this isn't rose colored glasses making me tolerate this. This is a legitimately good game. And there are definitely examples of that throughout history where you can go back and you can play it and it's, it's still solid. So love hearing that. Uh, What's the final, the final one? So, the, so this is a series, um, but it's it's the Metal Gear series. Um, okay. You know, I think um, again, just p- playing through that, and again, the the kind of that you ha- again a game that had quite a bit of choice in terms of how you could approach some some bits and, and everything. But um, it was just the immersiveness of the world that switched to first person and seeing the guards going around and just all of the kind of details that were left in the world for you to discover. And, you know, if you shoot people with the, the poison dart or whatever in certain places, they'll go to sleep quicker and all those kind of things that were just like, for me, were just, you know, they're, they're probably commonplace and expect them now through kind of games in terms of the level of detail that you get. But, but yes, you know, playing the original Metal Gear and then and kind of all the way through, they were they were all incredible and all... You know, a little self-indulgent as well. I think in terms of the kind of the stories and the cutscenes oh, and, oh, and everything. Yeah. And, um, oh, yeah, they are. yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but I remember playing. Can't remember which one it was. Maybe it was Metal Gear Three. Um, uh, but when I, I lived up in um Scotland in Edinburgh for a while in my flat, and I had my gaming PC in my console, and like basically whenever the cutscene started, I would be then play Championship Manager <laughs> on my PC, but be still watching them. But but because they're like an hour long, like an hour and a half long or something for like cutscenes, and it was like okay, cool, I can kind of concentrate, but I'm gonna do something else and I'm gonna multitask and then I'll jump back in for the for the gameplay. But but still, you know, I think the that, that series and you know Metal Gear Five was great as well. Right? I really enjoyed that. But uh, I think Metal Gear Three out of all of them was probably the one I think. Um, uh, uh, but yeah, just master classes i think in kind of just the the game design and the, the detail of it and just how it played how it felt so yeah a lot of people argue that metal gear solid 3 is is not only the best metal gear game but one of the best games of all time and yeah, yeah i i vividly remember playing that for the first time and, and that freedom you described is yeah. it's, it's pretty special because obviously yeah, yeah like you said in this day and age a lot of people have seen that iterated on that and we kind of expect that but it's always exciting to play that game that does something that you don't expect to ha- yep. introduce a mechanic you've never seen before in a video game and just having that memory and Metal Gear Solid is is full of that. And and like you said, yeah, you can you can go make yourself a sandwich, you can go cook a full dinner <laughs> during yeah. the length of one of those cutscenes if you want because they are there a lot. So, you've yeah. beautifully articulated these games and why they're so special to you and now, what we're going to have you do is I want you to pick one of these games that doesn't exist, has never existed. It's gone. It's wiped off the face of the earth forever. And then I want you to pick another one that still exists, but everyone, so it still exists, but you can't play it. Everyone else in the world can play it except for you. So what does that list look like for Joe So you're saying I have to... Like one has, I, I'm getting rid of one and the entire history of it, and no one will ever get a chance to experience it or have yep. had a chance to experience yep. it. And then one that I can watch other people play, but I can't play myself. Yep. Okay. And then the other one I get to keep. And right? the other one, yes. The other one, you still okay. nothing has changed about. That. Yeah. Um, brilliant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I would say, and and apologies to. To sensible world of soccer, that one I'd get rid of. Um, oh, pour one but, out for sensible world of soccer. Yeah, exactly. Um, but but I think 
purely because there's so many great examples of kind of of the experiences that 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 had um um in the world today right there's like there's your championship managers to manage stuff there's there's your fifas and everything that you kind of you get that same experience of playing and um and and the management style so you know whether they'd all exist and i'm pretty sure they'd all exist even without sensible world of soccer being one of the earliest kind of elders just because of the popularity of football so i don't think i would be you know, not just removing sensible World Soccer from the world, but also <laughs> all of like you know all of the in football games that maybe were inspired um, by, by that. I don't think that would have happened. I think it would have got there eventually anyway. Um, so I'd feel I don't feel too guilty about that. Um, uh, so yeah, and then one that I couldn't play, but I could watch. It's a tough one. Um, I'd have to say Metal Gear on that front. Okay. Um, and and only because I think Deus Ex is the one that like out of all of them that I think I have the most incredible memories of in terms of, and um and and just ha just how impressed I was with it at the time and how it felt different to anything I've ever played before, um uh and yeah just the level of ambition it had and also even just the name right it's like who chose that and thought that's a good idea because you can't even pronounce it you don't no one knew how to pronounce that right when it first came out like it was just like uh, like yeah. Do yeah 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 so yeah like it was just like i just like why did like uh, yeah brilliant i just i, I, I love that even the name is just something that's just like yeah it was a it was a team it was a clearly a studio just that had a real clear vision for what they wanted to do and um i remember reading interviews with i think warren spectre at the time um uh just about what they were planning and what why they were doing it and and like it just really kind of interested me and inspired me so that's why that one gets to gets to stay and i that's get to cool. play it again whereas um, yeah so sadly the metal gear just comes second and so therefore yeah i am um, to put that on there <laughs> i appreciate you being a good sport me. obviously yeah that that's a tough thing to think about but it's interesting when you start identifying all the things you love the reasons you love them and then you have to imagine a world where you don't you don't get them anymore and it's it, it, it's 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 hard it's it's a conversation i have with my friends <laughs> a lot so i like kind of bringing it up and and uh, yeah. again appreciate you being a good sport there so <laughs> huge shout out to everyone who's tuning in live um because this is the 50th episode we're going to be um dropping some goodies throughout the stream here so if you're in the live chat we're going to be dropping some xbox and pc codes so i'm going to drop the first one in here i've removed a few of the letters of this and I will give drop the clues in the chat as well. But this first code is for three months of Game Pass Ultimate. And the, the clue for this is it's an acronym for a game that I constantly stand. One, one, if you associate one franchise with me and you listen to the show, you follow me on Twitter, you know the answer. You know what this is. Um, and if you don't, you, you have no idea. You've probably never even heard of this. So... There it is. The first one's out there. Good luck. Godspeed to you. All right, Joe, we're going to transition into probably the biggest kind of conversation and the biggest event of this past week, and that was uh, Jeff Keighley's Game Awards on Thursday. So the, the big annual Game Awards showcase has come and gone. There was a lot of anticipation, a lot of speculation regarding this year and, and what might be shown and who might win the awards. Um... I would ask if you watched this live, but I think for you it was 2 or 3 a.m. start time, so not ideal. Definitely not ideal. I assume you were uh, safe in your bed sleeping. 
Indeed, yeah, indeed. <laughs> we use, we we usually wrap up our Warzone sessions at about midnight, which is kind of what my usually Thursdays are. But yeah, so I, I was in bed. But you know, if I if I didn't have to work Friday, then I, maybe I would have stuck around for that. But sadly, yeah, yeah, it's it was four it was four hours. So yeah, even yeah. if you had, it would have been it would have been a long night. But in this four hours, not only were there some amazing celebrations of games, but there were a lot of world premieres. And the first world premiere that I want to talk about, and the one that kicked off the show, was our first look at Hellblade 2 running in Unreal Engine 5. Because ahead of this reveal, Jeff straight up said, when they showed me this uh, trailer, I didn't, think, I didn't believe it was gameplay. I didn't want to believe that this was actually gameplay. And then he cuts to what we saw. And what we saw, Joe, was absolutely ridiculous. Um, I think it's safe to say for a lot of people that we haven't seen that fidelity in terms of actual in-engine gameplay before. Um, so what I want to know is as someone who's part of Xbox game studios, you probably, you probably saw this ahead of time. You probably saw some pieces, but when you saw this revealed for the first time, what was your feeling seeing Ninja Theory come out and deliver this? How did that feel? Yeah, so it's it's interesting because you, you say that we don't we don't get a, we don't get an insight into kind of into this stuff, right? You know, we might hear through the grapevine if something's going to be shown at a show mm -hmm. or, or or not, but but I, I I wasn't aware, and I know they kept it very secret. Um, uh, you know, as as we did with the Pirates' Life, which surprised a lot of people. But um, uh, and but but yeah, to to kind of watch that the next day and um, like. It's it's incredible. Even you know, I remember well their first trailer that when they first showed at the at the Game Awards was just incredible. The music, the atmosphere, and everything. But then to come and see this and to see in reality and to see an engine in as as actual gameplay, like it's you know it's incredible. Like that that's a studio at the top of their game, right? Um, and with a really clear vision again, like. I, I love, I, I just, I love, you know, I talked about it like even with Deus Ex, but when you can clearly see a studio that just has a really clear vision for what they want to do, um, it's very distinctive, it's very them, you know, and uh, uh, it's, yeah, just incredible. And it's, you know, for us as 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 members of the of the same kind of broader team like it's it's super exciting right like like the last few months have been right with all of the different releases for Xbox game studios it's been incredible for us to see kind of all of these studios knocking it out of the park with the games that they're releasing like that's that's brilliant for us it's brilliant for the wider Xbox business but you know but we we have personal connections with people in kind of all of those different teams and studios and um so just brilliant to to see that and to um you know, to look enviously over the fence, but also know that that's going to be another great title that's going to be coming out and, um, uh, you know, that we're going to get to experience and, um, you know, it's going to be part of uh, part of the story for everyone on Xbox and everyone who's on Game Pass and everything. It's just, it's awesome, right? So, um, yeah, just blown away by it. I think, like, that that trailer, just the, the yeah, the fidelity, the again, the sound, the music, like, all of it. It's just the acting, right? You know, incredible. I love the story um, of the of the kind of main character, the the actress, where she came from, as part of that studio, part of that dev team. It's it's incredible. Yeah, watching the the facial animations and the the motion capture. We've seen really great mo motion capture. There's obviously been a huge push in the industry to incorporate that more into your games where possible. But whew, looking at the reflection on Senua's gums, seeing seeing yeah. those <laughs> details seeing the, the the reflections of flames on her teeth stuff like that is it's truly special and it was it was really surreal to get that that taste because 
myself and many others were really captivated by that that reveal trailer of the original Senua Saga Hellblade 2 trailer. Just that world, the energy, the mystery that surrounded all of that. I, I always joke about how that's the trailer I've watched more times than any other trailer because there's just something about it that's really drawn me in. And we've all been waiting for that kind of moment where we see in action what this is. And to see that disgusting giant slithering on the ground <laughs> and seeing the scale of this world and knowing that they're going all in. Like, yeah. I love the original Hellblade, but you could tell that that, that that was definitely an indie project. And this was them, you know, experimenting with some really great ideas, doing some really impressive things with this engine. But this is that world come to life in a way that they just weren't able to do with the original Hellblade. And I'm here for it. Uh, it looks like absolute madness, and and I'm ready. I'm ready to see what the the final journey kind of looks like with that. Um, so I have to ask, after seeing that trailer, um, has Rare been dabbling with Unreal Five? Have you guys been getting your hands on that? Um, so not that I'm aware of, at least not in kind of any any kind of serious um serious way. Like there might be a couple of people with um who are having a look at it. But uh but you know for, for kind of Sea of Thieves obviously we're we're in a older version of um Unreal and if we were to ever look to update Sea of Thieves to a newer version, it's a it's a considerable amount of um engineering work to go do that. Uh -huh. uh, and it would would have to be like you know what would be the purpose? What would be the benefit? What would be the need for us to 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 do, um, to do that? And I think if, as we look to the future of Sea of Thieves again, you know we want to. We've always said we want to continue running, continue growing, continue evolving it. Um, then, uh, like I'm sure there's a time in the future where we'll be like actually, you know what, we need to go make that investment um, and and move to a um, to the latest and greatest. But but yeah, that's that conversation isn't on on the table yet. And if it if it was, I think my tech directors would get a bit scared but um <laughs> it's, it's oh, the amount of, well it's just like it's just a you know it's, it's a significant amount of work it's one we'd have to plan for and again it would have to be like we'd really need to understand why we're doing it and what the benefits would be um because your team so, has already gone through the yeah. process of of changing engines for, for some mm -hmm. people who don't know the original prototype mm -hmm. of sea of thieves was not in its current engine yeah it was in unity so yeah so back 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 at the start of sea of thieves when we were gonna um starting that prototype phase we were we were doing engine evaluations we were deciding where do we want the you know the main game to be in and and unreal was definitely a favorite you know we had an internal engine at the time as well that we were evaluating we were evaluating unreal um but we what we didn't want to do is kind of like wait until we'd made that decision before starting prototyping and we were like let's just pick the best engine for us that would be, get us to swiftly prove out the gameplay experience that we that we were really passionate about but that we had to go prove and and at that time we'd we'd done some game jams recently in in unity um so we'd built up some kind of knowledge of using that kind of across the studio uh and it was something that you know we weren't worried about visual fidelity in the prototype and um and so to be able to just like you know, have designers go and model things and, and, and throw things into the world and build ships, build the islands and everything. Um, in Unity was just by far the kind of the best one for just that speed of iteration and, and speed of kind of trying things out. So, uh, yeah, that was why we chose that. And um, and then, you know, we, we kind of managed to make the, the Sea of Thieves experience kind of as you play it in, in Unreal now, broadly in Unity in a very short period of time uh but and it gave us real confidence then to go and invest fully and build properly in um in, in unreal itself and build all the technology we needed to kind of to run sea of thieves to migrate stuff between servers to 
um you know all of all of those kind of key things we had to do to go like prove out the visual fidelity we wanted to get to um but we had the core of the experience and we were kind of just recreating so much of that in in unreal and with you know with the visual and audio fidelity and everything that you that you, that you see now but yeah but you know we were playing it seven years ago i guess <laughs> <laughs> like you know that's like that's it we were playing it we was out there sailing cruiser for and the galleons like you know shared world it was amazing um and it gave us you know we were we were laughing we were having so much fun it just gave us the confidence that we were like yeah let's go full and invest in this because we've got something special like we knew super early because we had that speed of iteration Love hearing that. So in addition to Hellblade 2, there, there were a lot of trailers. This this event, like I said, went for about four hours, including the pre-show. So uh, we got uh, the release date for Tunic, the release date for Cuphead, the delicious last course, a couple of uh, indie gems I've been eagerly awaiting. So it was really exciting to see those. Um, I know you didn't get to watch live, but as you've been kind of catching up with, with the show, were there any big, what were the biggest surprises for Joe Neat or the... Uh, the Joni get hype moments. What what were those reveals for you? Sure. So, you know, anytime anyone says shared world, I sort of sit, sit up in my seat and I'm Two. like, oh, what's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's that? What's that going to be? Um, you know, I'm, I'm always interested in things that kind of use similar terminology to us or, um, or or exist maybe in a similar similar space. And so Nightingale was was one for me that you know, in, yeah, like instantly kind of stood out as like oh well that that looks interesting but but then yeah the the kind of again the the style the theme the kind of the, the steampunk victorian kind of kind of visual style and then the creatures the kind of i don't know if they're kind of fairies or kind of like i don't know like it's i don't know what they are but um i just thought that was again just an incredible kind of visual feast and um just looked really unique really stood out against anything else um that, that i've seen and so yeah really interested in that and i think there's a couple of people used to work at rare i've seen on twitter since then going oh we're working on this i was like oh, right. oh, um, yeah. yeah yeah so yeah so we've got the uh you know got the inside track on a couple of people that, that are working on that but um but you know obviously they've kept it a secret up until then but um so it's really cool to see kind of um you know people that work used to work here used to work on the sea of thieves now out now out there kind of working on interesting new projects too but yeah that one really stood out for me just because yeah, it ticks a lot of my boxes of something unique, something special, but also some familiarity too, right? In terms of the shared world, the mechanics and stuff. So yeah, really interested to see where that kind of where that goes. Yeah, that one really caught my attention. I was hooked by the, like you said, the Victorian style, uh, the strange creatures that were that were sprinkled throughout this. Um, and then as soon as I saw the the other players come out of the portal, I was like, okay. Now, now yeah. we're getting somewhere. <laughs> Survival elements, a little uh, yeah, shared yeah. open world. Okay, now you're speaking yeah. my language. Because again, I, I, I talk about this constantly, but if you can give me a compelling world that I can explore, awesome, love it. If you can give me a compelling world I can explore, explore with friends, I love it even more. So yeah, Night, Nightingale for me also, also checked a lot of the right boxes. Um, and then Alan Wake 2 was the one that, I had I had you know heard for a while years and years obviously that Alan Wake two you know it's coming dude it's coming I'm like okay I'll believe it when I see it because I'm a huge Alan Wake fan and I saw the trailer and I saw his signature jacket and I was like oh this is Alan Wake they're doing it. and then I saw like <laughs> dead bodies and gore sprinkled throughout the trailer I'm like wait is this Alan Wake this is this is dark and then obviously we got the reveal of the 
what people are calling the Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> looking Alan Wake figure <laughs> with his beard and his long hair. And then we had Sam, Sam Lake come out, who's an absolute treasure and talk about, you know, this is a survival horror, Alan Wake. This is an M rated survival horror, Alan Wake. And as a huge survival horror fan, that got me feeling, feeling a certain way, Joe, I gotta say, because <laughs> I love the weird campy twin peaks vibe of the original. I love yeah. the kind of, cheesy thriller that it was but um i'd love to see that world explored uh, a little, little grittier as as cliche as it is to you know use terms like gritty or visceral i buy into it i'm not gonna lie <laughs> so yeah. are you an alan wake fan did that do anything for you oh no definitely yeah, yeah. so i've definitely you know i played through the, the the original back in the day and um it's interesting to see it change up a little bit right like you say with the with the survival horror i think that's going to be interesting to kind of see where they go i think remedy will do a great job with it um you know they're a they're a, um a, a great studio with a, a great history so uh, it's, it's interesting I've, I've always wanted to work on a horror game like you know i oh. think um yeah yeah like just personally like i've always been kind of um like i don't i just like the idea of messing with people and um and kind of really like you know create, creating something and really kind of the i think the fun you'd have in creating stuff that would really scare people and kind of freak people out um like eternal darkness back on uh, the yes. gamecube yeah 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 you know but that Great just the job. kind of yeah, exactly. Right. But the way they just kind of messed with your expectations and kind of like made it feel like the telly was turning off and kind of just, I don't know, what you could do today in that space. I think, um, uh, I think there's just some really interesting things as well, you know, and it's even if you think of things like there's, you know, you've got your phones and stuff as well. If you could have an app on there, there's, there's a lot you could do to kind of freak people out in a way that just doesn't have to be directly kind of on the on, on the tv i think there's other ways you can do that so yeah there's, there's just loads of fun i think you could have with that so um yeah it excites me well you let me know if if rare is ever <laughs> doing a horror game all right i will i'll be there in a heartbeat <laughs> again a huge horror nerd and i i love hearing about people you know talk about experimenting like folks like kojima these these figures who haven't had a chance to try that space but are curious in it i'm i'm always fascinated to see you know what that would look like what, what a joe neat survival horror game would look like um i'm trying were there any other kind of big big reveals or exciting reveals for you personally at at this show so so again i, lo I love seeing things that i'm just like whoa like they kind of make you sit back in your seat and make you kind of just just sort of sit up and be like well i wasn't expecting that and like, yeah thirsty suitors was the one i had to kind of yes. i had to double check the name before i came on to kind of remember it. i knew it had the name suitors in but yeah thirsty suitors because it just looked like it, again purity of vision like clearly like that is a real passion project for for a group of people it's um you know brilliantly diverse in terms of its background and like and clearly all of the influences that have inspired it and and it just looks funny and it just looks just great it just looks brilliant right? like you know i want to play that game i want to experience that i want to kind of go on the the, the story and, and and everything that 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 those those creators have in mind and um i just think it looks hilarious so yeah i'm all in a ton of character seeing the the, the kind of like almost street fighter battles mixed with the skateboarding seeing the yeah. the mom character pull off yeah. her flip-flop and use it as a weapon like yeah like, that one was really not to love. yeah oh, what's yeah. not to love so yeah obviously there were a, a ton of a, a, a ton of new reveals and jeff has kind of you know spent a lot of time making sure there's this balance of of big reveals as well as the actual game awards themselves so your your partners over at playground won a couple awards so that was incredibly yeah. exciting to see 
Um, so I just want to take a second to kind of celebrate the the main focus of the Game Awards, and that's celebrating all the people who spend all this time and energy and effort into creating these games. And, you know, I think there's a conversation we had about the Game Awards, you know, losing sight of that a little bit or shifting the focus away from that with over half of the event being being new reveals. And, you know, I get it. From a marketing perspective, I understand that's exciting. That's going to pull people in. Um, but yeah, I've, I've always championed the people behind games. So Joe, to you and the team at Rare and to any other developer who's been a part of making any game that myself and anyone in this chat here loves, I just, I just want to say thank you because it really means a lot. And um, in this world of marketing and brands and publishers, we, we lose sight of the individuals a little bit. So thank you overall is, is mostly <laughs> what I want to say there. <laughs> no, like, you know, uh, like it's, obviously appreciate that appreciate it on behalf of everyone that kind of is out there that kind of making games and like 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 you say with playground right like that is a studio that is firing on every single possible cylinder right like the the kind of the, like how they up themselves the success, every year i don't i don't yeah. know i don't i yeah, don't know yeah. no they're just like they are you know they, they they are just doing incredible work like and um uh yeah again in awe of the of the work they do and it's it's great again to be part of xbox game studios and to see kind of our um our sibling studios going out there and, and blowing our minds and um uh you know and getting to be a part of that and everything it's like it, honestly it's incredible and um but the same applies to like you say all of the people that were you know part of that show part of the games that were nominated and the games that won but um there's just so much so much talent and originality and just um i don't know just creativity and, and stuff that's that's prevalent throughout the, the industry and um it's i think it's opening up to more and more people from more and more kind of backgrounds and you're just going to see more and more interesting and unique games and kind of that's why you know again thirsty suitors was just really interesting to me because it was like well that looks really interesting and that's clearly from a really kind of um just a, a unique perspective and, and and one that i hope we you know we get to see more of and we get to see kind of more more kind of just diverse experiences throughout the, the industry and i think we're going to so um I, I yeah i think i think it's nice well, I'm going to get to some super chats here. We have some, we have over 150 amazing people hanging with us live. If you guys are liking the show, hit the like button, share it out, feed that YouTube algorithm. If you're watching on iTunes, Google play, all that stuff. Thank you for listening. Uh, Georgie is getting straight to brass tacks here with this. Is <laughs> ask him to do a one piece across sea of thieves crossover. <laughs> so are you familiar with one piece? Have you had people blowing you up about doing a one piece Sea of Thieves crossover because I see it a lot on Twitter. I've certainly, I've certainly heard of One Piece. I, I haven't read all of the uh, all, all of the graphic novels, but um, I, I am aware of it, and I've I've done a bit of research on it for sure. Yeah, so I'm aware. <laughs> okay, uh, Yo, Donnie, uh, on on the topic of crossovers here, um, yeah. this is from chat member Gamefire. What's Joe's favorite crossover idea for Sea of Thieves if licensing slash any reason wasn't a barrier? <laughs> so if you could greenlight a crossover and there was no restrictions, what would that look like in Sea of Thieves? So, it's, it's, it's a fun one, actually, because it's a really interesting um, question. And I'm not sure if I'll answer it in the way that, that um, uh, is it Gamefire? I think he like, wants me is that, is, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Wants, me, wants me to answer. But because... Um, the thing that um, when we do any kind of crossover into Sea of Thieves, like we really assess everything from a 
like does this make sense in our world is there a way like does it fit with our lore does it fit with our background does it fit with our narrative kind of is there a reason that this would happen these characters would come to our world and if you think of obviously a pirate's life is the the biggest kind of one that we've um uh, that we that we've done in, in partnership with um disney and pirates of the caribbean but it was really you know we had to go away and think and, and it was mike chapman creative director that, that that went away and kind of figured this out because it was like it came up as a possibility a potential thing we could do and you know, he had to go away and go like, you know, how would this happen? Like, if if they were to d discover our world, what would be the reason for it? And um, and then with that in mind, then how would the story kind of play out? And so Mike came up with that of like, what what would happen if Davy Jones discovered our world? And it was then, you know, he would come into our world, he would discover he doesn't have control over the um the the kind of seas and the 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 um. Uh, the kind of pattern of life and death because you've got the ferryman that controls that and so there was some conflict but then um you know and that that uh, jack sparrow followed him into our world and so it became something that was like you know what this makes sense we can fit this in it kind of works makes sense to our kind of core community and our players and it doesn't it doesn't just feel like you're just doing it because you're doing it right and because like you say because someone's a fan of another ip and mm -hmm. they just want to get it in right which is kind of yeah. what that is and you know i and we wouldn't do that because I'm a fan of loads of IPs that that maybe just wouldn't make sense in in our world, and it just like we we don't want to do something that compromises like the integrity of the world that we've built and the the characters that we've created and the law that we're going to continue to build upon and, and grow. So, yeah. So, you know, I don't I don't think I'd be like, well, I'll just go and push for this IP because it's you know we have to have principles, we have to have a kind of um, reasons for why we do things, and so you know we've definitely got ideas for. For, for future stuff um in terms of kind of crossover and and, and things into into the sea of thieves world and that can go from you know from ships like we've done in the past up to things like we did with a pilot's life like there's definitely kind of ample opportunity for us but it has to fit in it has to work it has to work in the way that a pilot's life just totally was was just seamless right it just kind of made sense and no one was like oh, when we when we kind of showed that video and when you play through and experience the story and, and stuff so yeah so we've got some ideas and um there's definitely you know stuff that we've been talking about for the future but um so so probably not it, yeah. uh rambo or terminator probably exactly no... right okay, like okay. yeah yeah because that's just like yeah that's but that's kind of the thing right it's like you know we, and those are the kind of the questions we've asked ourselves because it was like what if, would we do a ship based on like alien like for example like the film alien and it's like we could probably do a cool ship based on it but it's like that's going to be a bit immersion breaking in our world because it just kind of like why is that there like where who has got the inspiration for this from where and, and stuff so it's just yeah it's it's an interesting one but um so yeah we we do kind of use case studies almost to try and prove our principles to ourselves or not but yeah so yeah sadly no rambo or or terminator as, as you know as much as i'm a, a big fan of the terminator <laughs> series in particular um i don't think they're going to be making our way into the world uh, I appreciate that. We're going to be talking more about Sea of Thieves, and I'm I'm going to you know ask about Pirates of Life later on because, you know, when when I wrote my review for it, one of the things I praised was the fact that this this does feel so seamless, and it it's pretty wild that it never crossed my mind that Pirates of the Caribbean could exist in Sea of Thieves before it was announced, and then when it was announced, I I realized how perfect that was, and seeing the way the story plays out and how your team has incorporated Pirates of the Caribbean lore into the lore of Sea of Thieves, and now that's a permanent part of this story. It's not just some like limited-time crossover event. Um, like As much as I love Smite, they do a lot of you know Transformers and Smite and a bunch of stuff where these gods now look like Optimus Prime, and that's rad. Don't get me wrong. That is, that is really cool, but yeah, Smite doesn't have to uh, cater to any lore, really. Smite is just 
a, a battle arena and you can look ridiculous and you can duke it out and that's the end of it. You play around, you move on. So I, I do respect that as fun as it would be to have an, a Xenomorph ship, I would I would rock that in a heartbeat. Uh, yeah, it is it is nice to know that it is grounded in some sort of way to at least tie it into the world in some in some capacity. Um, so again, for the people watching live, we are dropping codes throughout the show. I'm going to be dropping the second code here, which is a code for Age of Empires 4 on PC. Uh, the hint for the missing letters here are a very important letter for Xbox fans. Uh, so good luck, Godspeed. <laughs> All right, Joe, another big cultural event that this week was the release, the full final release of Halo Infinite. Uh, this has been a, an ongoing saga. There's been a lot of drama. There's been a lot of uh, infighting in the, the Halo community about multiplayer campaign, what could be, what won't be, all that stuff. But after years of development and after all this kind of excitement and anticipation it's out it, it's finally out and people are playing it and i i gotta say uh 343 industries absolutely delivered on, on all fronts with with halo infinite uh, obviously we've been playing the multiplayer for weeks the multiplayer ugh, just feels amazing i've been playing so much halo, every single day i've been playing halo multiplayer um but there were some questions regarding the, the campaign from 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 skeptics who maybe haven't felt that 343 has delivered the the campaign experience that they wanted with Halo 4 and 5. Um I'll admit that I was I was a little I was a little hurt about the the lack of co-op at launch because for me as a legacy Halo player, I've been playing co-op day 1 for every single Halo. Uh even the the very first Halo, playing split screen with with my friends with with my younger sister um, so co-op has been a, a fundamental part of the Halo experience. So I was exceptionally bummed. I, I came to terms with it. I moved past it, but I kept thinking like, is, is it going to be the same? Is, is this going to deliver what I want it to deliver without, without co-op? And I'm about 12 hours into this campaign, Joe. And I got to say, I'm loving it. I am. It feels weird to say, and obviously I haven't seen how the story concludes. So don't drop spoilers in the chat, guys. Don't be mean. <laughs> um, but this might be the best Halo campaign that I've ever played. And that is that is wild to say. Have you been playing? That's crazy have you, indeed. Have you been immersed in this this campaign at all? Uh not the campaign, not yet. I've played okay. I've played the multiplayer. Um, but I'm kinda yeah, I haven't I haven't quite found the time to do the campaign because like, you know, sadly. Warzone released a new map, and uh, and my social crew have been we've been jumping into Warzone and playing quite a bit. Yeah, so um, it's just like it's that time of year, isn't it? Like when everyone's releasing stuff and um, and getting things out, especially live services. There's just like there's too too many things. But no, so I've got it. I've got it downloaded. I've got it ready to go um, on on my console back there. So you know I might be jumping in this weekend. But I think you know I think to to your to your point there about saying that you think it's you know potentially the be the best halo campaign you've ever played right that that is praise indeed right and um and as again as an Xbox game studios kind of uh team in in three four three I kind of I know like 
the weight of expectation, I guess, that's that, that's been on them, right? For yeah. for Halo and um for, for Halo Infinite and um you know, over the last year building up to this and, and and they've been working, you know, so so hard solidly on this through the, through this pandemic, right? And again, I know how difficult that is to do, even working on a, an established service like Sea of Thieves, like it's it's super challenging. But to be building towards the release of a new game, um, uh, you know, that is a that's a different level of challenge altogether, I think, and it's, and and one that has, like I say, that level of expectations. Um, but to see the critical reception, to see how that has been. Um, and, and also to kind of see the boldness of, I think of, and the confidence that that, that team has had, I think, like, I think um, how they've spoken to the community kind of over the last year with the kind of, you know, the regular posts they do and the real in-depth kind of talking and, and everything, how they've communicated kind of since they've launched multiplayer and and started really kind of you know listening and talking and letting people know that they're they're hearing the feedback and um and that's the shadow drop of multiplayer that they did right and on the on the oh, on the anniversary like yeah. it's brilliant right and but but I, I love the boldness I love the confidence and um you know and I think I, I'm having having launched the service myself and gone through you know some some challenges as, as you know when we we saw sea of thieves at launch we had some feedback around content you know we've we've had kind of bumps along the way and um and we've grown and found our feet i think i i look at the way that they're operating um from from the you know from pre-launch in, in terms of that communication and an engagement with their community um through to the the, the shadow through to how they're listening how they're responding how they're changing and knowing kind of that they've got their plans for kind of post-launch and stuff I, you know i see a team that like like is doing some really good stuff and, and operating really well, and I think um, you know I'm, I'm I'm massively impressed. Like I say, as a fellow a games developer and a, and a member of Xbox Game Studios, looking across uh, the water at, at you know what they've managed to achieve and the reception they've had, but also just how they're continuing to go, now go into that rhythm of service. You know, I think um, well, I'm, I'm I'm very very impressed with with kind of how that how that team's showing up and um, you know just how they've started off on what is now you know the the future of kind of halo with halo infinite right it's like yeah. it's a super exciting position to be in like it's not just a launch right like that's it now it's like this is now you know it's 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 a it's a live service to go and evolve and, and iterate upon and grow and um yeah launch is just the start for them and i think that's super exciting yeah this is this is the start of your of your spartan journey now and mm -hmm. I do see some I do see some parallels to the way that 343 Industries has communicated with it, communicated with its community to how Sea of Thieves and your team communicated with the community uh, you know ahead of launch and after launch um and it's it's really refreshing I I I think it goes a long way especially when you are working on a platform working on something that will grow that will evolve that you have that back and forth you have that relationship with your community because Obviously, everyone wants the same thing. Everyone wants to, you know, have a game that people want to play and want want to see grow and evolve. So it's exciting. I, I've loved the way that 343 has, has come out and, you know, had the hard conversations when they need to and say, you know, like like with the co-op and forge delay, we, we just can't do it. Like, it's not going to be ready. We understand that that's going to be a bummer for some people, but we think for this is what's best for the game. And it's it's nice to have that and to know that, you know, everyone, you know, as, as much as people on Twitter or whatever want to make everything seem nefarious or whatever, the reality is you guys just want to make a great game and you want to make the players happy. And so I, I love I love that that connection with the audience. And it, it's great to see what what Sea of Thieves and your team did at launch kind of 
be shared with with more studios within Xbox Game Studios because I think if you do have a platform that that is the right approach. I I do remember the uh, the early weekly developer update videos with with a very sleepy Joe with a very yeah. very clearly working your ass off Joe Neat and um, <laughs> so again I I appreciate that and and um, it's really great to kind of see three four three adapt a similar approach to this this new platform for Halo Infinite so. What I'm most excited about, I think, with this whole Halo Infinite saga is the fact that I hope now, finally, we are beyond the the Bungie comparisons for this team. Because anytime a team has to come in and take the reins of an established, beloved, juggernaut franchise like Halo, there is this pressure and this expectation to from from fans who know a certain thing expect a certain thing and you have to kind of meet all of these expectations so i think with 343 industries nailing this from the multiplayer side from the campaign side that we can move past the um they're, they're not as good as bungie or i like bungie more i hope i hope we are far beyond that yeah. both great great studios great developers right and um yeah. but but yeah, three, I think like, honestly, like like you say, it's just really exciting to see where they're going to take it, right? And I think I think just jumping back to the bit you were talking about before as well, around kind of having to make decisions around what you deliver here, what you move, what you, you shift around. I think what 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 I've learned, and and I think I, what I hope everyone kind of learns as well is that like that the right thing to do with anything is to give it the right amount of time so that when you deliver something, it's the, to the quality that you want, right? And it delivers on what players' expectations are. Um, and and I think. When I look at kind of again the management of um, from Xbox Game Studios of the leadership of, of of Xbox of Phil and of and of Matt and stuff, they're very much you know their their method and their kind of technique. It's it's like empower your teams to make decisions and to kind of manage their their, their studios, manage their games and the ways that they think are the kind of the, the best way to, to to go do that. And and you can see that with all of the reviews of all of the games that have come out over the last number of months, right? Like Xbox is really hitting its stride in terms of those first party titles, the first party quality that you're seeing. And, and again, if you look at Halo Infinite, you look at the quality of the campaign, look at the quality of multiplayer, it's because, you know, they, they, they took the time to go and nail that. And then, you know, for, for co-op and campaign and for Forge and then whatever else comes, like it's the same thing, right? It's like, tr trust the teams to do that. And, and ultimately, the best thing for your players is to deliver an amazing experience to your players when you've kind of, when you know that that experience is, is, is to the quality that you want it to be. And and it can be easy to kind of feel pressure to do things that are a bit out of the ordinary or to to bring things earlier because people are super keen for it or to cut things and make decisions that that maybe aren't the best in the long run to kind of to to, to meet um short-term kind of asks or or passion or, or whatever but i think um you know, you've got to trust the teams that are making this that are super experienced and super skilled and um uh, to make the best decisions for their players because that's what everyone is doing right that's what they're that's like speaking as a game developer. That's all you're ever doing is like, you know, how how do you make the best decisions for the game and for your community and for your players? Like, there's like there's never anything apart from that. Like, that's always what you're trying to do. Um, and and I love the empowerment that we get as as part of Xbox Game Studios to kind of, you know, to own our own our own plans and our own vision and um and and to make those decisions and. Uh, you know, occasionally we'll make we'll make the wrong one, and then we have to go to kind of change it. But you know, like that's you know, you got sometimes you take risks and they pay off or they don't. But but ultimately, you know, um, I think I tr trust the teams, man. They like they they they're really good. They're really skilled, and um, they've they, they've they've made great stuff already. So yeah, I I really genuinely appreciate 
your insight here and, and having you on to have these conversations because, you know, I've, when, when people like Phil and Matt Booty come out and say that, you know, the, the future of Xbox and the focus of Xbox Game Studios is to enable these teams and empower these teams to make the best games that they have, give them the tools, give them the time to do what they need to do to make these great games. You know, I want to believe that. I want to believe that that is the reality, that that is every single day these teams are having the conversations where they are empowered to to make these decisions and make these games. So having you come on and and share that and share your experience with that, it means a lot because, you know, obviously I understand, you know, there's money involved. It's a business at the end of the day. Like somebody has to make money. There has to be profits involved. But I, you know, I think about all the passionate people like yourself who are in this to make a great game. And that, at the end of the day, ignoring the financial side, ignoring everything else, that is their goal. And it is, it's, it's awesome to hear that, that that is the reality for, for a lot of these studios and a lot of these teams is that is what they want to do. That is the mission. And if Xbox and Microsoft can empower that, then that's exciting. That, that's really exciting to hear. Yeah, well, honestly, like, when, like, and this is just a, a weird tangent, but it reminded me. So like when we went to visit Disney, um, like, two years ago now or something like prior to a pirate's life work starting um and we visited their the studios in um kind of los angeles and they just had they have a bunch of kind of quotes up on the wall and um oh we did we lose joe was like like and i so we i, I just took a photo of that because i was like absolutely right like it, it is like like you say like you want to be a successful business but but the best way that we can be successful for the broader Xbox business is to deliver really high quality experiences that players love, right? And like, and so that's that's a pretty easy thing to get, like, to to have as your sort of north star, to have as your thing that you're going to go and pursue. Like, it's like because it's it, it inspires you, it excites you, and it's like that's what we've got to do. Just like it's all about like in a phrase we use is player value, but it's like does this like you know are we valuing what players want? Are we delivering value to players? Um, but you know that 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 really stood out for me when we saw that on the wall. It was like because that's that's the truth, right? Like that's the business land. It's just make something great and people like, and you'll you'll figure out how to make a successful business of it. I think. So. I, I love hearing that because I you know maybe I'm guilty of oversimplifying certain things when it comes to development. The obviously I'm not a high level executive for these these publishers, but you know I always say that you know if you make a really good game, people are going to play it. And if the game is really good and you have additional monetization within it, people are probably more likely to spend money. If the, the foundation is great, if the experience is great, if they love it. Um, so it, it's, it's cool to see that kind of mantra transcend gaming with, with a company like Disney, this, this Goliath in the industry, if you will. <laughs> all right. Um, I'm going to drop another code in the chat here for all the amazing people tuning in. Again, if you're watching live, Hit that like button, share it out, all that good stuff. Our next code is for Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl on Xbox. And the hint here is the ring that Halo Infinite takes place on. Good luck. Godspeed there. All right, Joe, we are going to transition into the meat, the, the core segment of, of this episode. And I'm, I'm sure you know what this involves. Uh, we are gonna we're gonna talk about the Sea of Thieves journey. We're gonna be going down the past, present, and future. I see a lot of people who've already dropped super chats about about the future. I promise I will get to all of those here. Um, Cause like I said, I'm I'm a big fan. You know I'm a big fan of Sea of Thieves. 
Um, it wasn't it wasn't quite my number one played game on the Xbox Museum, but it was my number one played game for three out of the five years. So almost Smite Smite <laughs> won it out by just a pinch. Just, I looked at the playtime; it was a difference of like thirty five hours. I think I had like nine hundred hours in Smite and like eight hundred and seventy ish for Sea of Thieves. I'm, so a no, lot, I'm a not lot of pretend I'm not hurt. I'm not going to pretend I'm not hurt, but I, um, I'll, I'll I'll forgive you. I'll I'll, I'll let it slide. <laughs> uh so earlier this year i i got to sit down with you and mike chapman and, and talk about your kind of transition into a seasonal approach see if the see if thieves has been going for a few years but at the start of this year you you made the transition into a, a seasonal content release schedule so now that we're five seasons in how has this approach been how do you feel about the seasonal content drops versus the the weekly bi-weekly monthly ones of the past so we're really pleased with it. We're really pleased with it as a rhythm for for our players, um, uh, and really pleased with the feedback. And I know that I, you wrote an article around um, uh, kind of season passes, battle passes, etc., a, a little while ago. And uh, and I've seen kind of you you have positive sentiment around it. But we, you know, the way we designed it in terms of kind of rewarding you for playing the way that you want to play Sea of Thieves rather than a way that we're going to kind of force you to play this this season or force you to play like this. Like we're like, no, let's kind of let's reward people for their adventures out there and kind of allow them to progress and give give them ways to dig deeper and progress quicker if they want and um but also just reward people for kind of just having fun and doing kind of what they want in a in this sandbox world um so you know we, we've been really pleased with kind of how it's rolled out you know we've made some some tweaks and changes to the plunder pass this um for this season for season five in terms of kind of upping the rewards that you get in terms of the ancient coins and um putting some really cool rewards in there and stuff so we're you know we're looking at that and seeing how that lands um but but broadly broadly really happy and i think if i you know if i was to look at the kind of the areas that we want to improve uh it's really about kind of the you know that we're happy with how seasons launch we're happy with the kind of content that we're delivering as part of them but then as you go through that kind of three month or so period like how do we kind of give you things to really kind of um uh energize you and, and excite you kind of through that time period so you know we've done some stuff with with events over the last year that has been using a sort of limited set of functionality and tools um and you know, we've we've got some plans for the next year in terms of how we're going to kind of up our game and how we're going to change um, uh, and, and evolve how we approach that seasonal flow and how we kind of, you know, level, just level up the kind of bits in between um, and, and keep people interested and excited and engaged and not just looking just towards the start of a season as kind of almost the only big moment for them. I think we're going to be, you know, it's going to be a, a much busier time i think for our players in terms of um, um in terms of the next year in terms of kind of things to look forward to and stuff and i don't, I don't want to kind of spoil it too much because we've definitely got some um you know we've got some plans we've got some stuff that we want to announce as we kind of head into next year but uh but yeah we're really looking at you know how do we how do we do that how do we fill in those gaps but how do we do it in a way that feels kind of unique to see a thieves and feels like it fits into our world and um you know and just kind of continues to make people fall in love with our world and and everything um, even more so yeah so there's some very exciting stuff going on and you know you'll see mike teasing things on on twitter and stuff and um uh as, as we go but yeah there's there's some very cool stuff that we're looking to to announce but but you know we, we we like the rhythm of it and um uh but we're always looking to how we can do more and how we can do better and how we can kind of um take the stuff that's working and then you know, improve the stuff that, that that isn't working as well, basically. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, I've been very vocal about my my stance on on battle prep 
battle passes and respecting the player's time and not driving a, a challenge system that takes away from how the player wants to experience the game. And what I love about Sea of Thieves is it's always been about player freedom. So what I love about your, your plunder pass and that, that progression system is that you can do anything. If you're just sailing around the seas, doing nothing, just on your boat, aimlessly sailing, you're, you're still gaining progress. If that's what you want to do, if you want to be a, a, a maniac like myself and, and catch all the fish in Sea of Thieves, um, you can do that and you get rewarded for that. And I love that. And, you know, obviously I've, I've pub publicly shared on Twitter that I think the, the model that your team has with, with the Plunder Pass and the Renown system is one that Xbox Game Studios should, should really be mirroring. Um, there's obviously been some controversy, controversies with Halo Infinite's multiplayer and the free-to-play system. And I know monetization for free-to-play games is way more complicated than a lot of folks really understand. But um, I think you guys have, have set that North Star, in my opinion, for Xbox Game Studios when it comes to a battle pass that rewards the player for playing exactly how they want to play. So... I've been stoked with the seasonal seasonal progression and the fact now that season five, if you buy the plunder pass, you can earn back the entire value of the plunder pass. If you get to level 100, things like that are are pretty forward thinking, I have to say. And like you talked about player value, that that absolutely respects the player's time investment. Um, I am not a fan of paying money to be able to grind for something at the, at the you know, the, the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Um, I get it. I understand the, the FOMO and, and driving all that, but I, uh, again, really appreciate what, what rare and sea of thieves have done with that to really respect my time. You know, my time's valuable, Joe. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, a, it's interesting because, you know, like, we when we sat down and and were like, what do we want to do with seasons? How do we want to approach it? We we wanted we definitely wanted like almost the entry level to seasons to be that there was a progression system for everyone, right? Like regardless of whether you pay or not, right? Mm -hmm. And so the you know the plunder pass is something that layers on top, but there's a hundred levels of rewards that everybody gets because we kind of you know we see the value of something that see, the, the the seasonal of having these new goals to go and and the rewards and like you say rewards for kind of just playing how you want to play because the way see if these worked before that is. You know, you had to go and invest quite a bit of time in a session to get rewards, right? To go get mm -hmm. treasure, to get it back. It was at risk. You could end sessions and, and not have stuff. So it was like, no, we let's try and fill in the gaps between that for everyone and give everyone. But then also, you know, give an optional plunder pass addition, which is if you re if you're super engaged and if you really want these cool kind of cosmetics on top, then hey, you've got an optional extra. But we it was kind of again when you think of kind of player first, player value. Like we want people to look at that and go, I want to buy that because that stuff's awesome and it's like it's really great value. Um, and you know, I'm going to be playing for a lot of time. Like, I want to go and invest in that. And that's cool. So, but, but we, we, we definitely wanted that, that base layer for everybody, that everybody could get cool rewards for just kind of being part of our community and playing. And so, so yeah, we had pretty clear principles when we, um, uh, when we had, you know, we headed into this. Um, so, uh, it's, it's cool to see kind of, you know, recognition, I guess, from, from yourself in terms of kind of what we, what we set out to do there. But yeah, we. We always have really clear principles for everything that we do, especially when it comes to something that's, you know, that is around the business side, um, because it's, you know, we want to have really clear reasons for why we're doing what we're doing. And like you say, it's a balance, right? Like, obviously, the best thing would be if there was no need for there to be any kind of business considerations, uh, yeah, and uh -huh, all you could do is yeah. just go make games it's and free magically content business for yeah. everyone. Yeah, 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 yeah. let's go. <laughs> yeah, right, but, uh, right, and you know, wouldn't wouldn't that be great? But um. 
but but you know we have so we have to balance the the the, the two parts and i think um uh you know we we really do think hard and we we kind of talk and we we question ourselves and we kind of invite feedback internally in the studio on on how we're how we're doing and how we're kind of operating on that front but but yeah we're always trying to do things of you know, if people spend money and see a thieves, they should never regret it, right? They should never think, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Like, I've got yeah. to just regret it. Or it's like the reason you should be doing it is because you're really excited to buy a thing and it's going to make you feel good. Um, and, like, that should be how you feel. And if you don't, then, like, then we're doing it wrong, right? And so, um, uh, and so yeah, we'll always kind of hold ourselves accountable to that and we'll always listen. And if we do make missteps in the in the future, then we'll kind of we'll listen and we'll see, you know, we'll 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 try and correct them and, and everything. But but yeah, the principles are always pretty clear to us. And we um um you know we'd again like one of the things we talk about in the studio is like we'd rather have more people spending less than a small amount of people spending loads. Right. Like it's like it just makes more sense for us that that if we can kind of like it's not about trying to drive loads of revenue off really like the core community or something it's like no let's see if we can like spread that out a bit and make it a bit kind of a bit fair and stuff it's like it's like how do we do that and how so how do our tactics kind of try and drive towards that and you know like one of the one of the things for the plunder pass was like it's a low entry thing but it should be super high value like when you look at the amount of stuff that's in the plunder pass um you should be able to look at that and go that is a really good value proposition if i'm going to get if i'm going to be engaged and engaged with that and feel good about that as a as a player but but trying to push it down towards the lower end from a from a price point and stuff so yeah, it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting and kind of challenge, right? And it's yeah. an interesting thing to talk about. But but yeah, we always make sure that we have clear principles and what we do that. I'm really really glad you brought up that last point regarding more people spending less than a, a select people a select group of people spending more. Because uh, a few weeks ago, I posed a question just just to the world as you know, with microtransactions, is is there data that shows if you charge more money there's more inherent value and more people are willing to buy it because i've always wondered why with microtransactions a lot of them have the extremely premium price tags and i i have to think to myself that not a huge number of people are willing to invest that for the most part but i've had people tell me that if you drop the price that it doesn't correlate to more people buying it so it's it's, it's fascinating that you brought that point up specifically because it's just been a question i've had about monetization with with microtransactions and those those models yeah it's it is it is a it is an interesting battle and like and i, I don't have access to all of the industry data and and kind of every single game and, and kind of well i can yeah. only kind of talk to to, to the stuff that i've experienced in, in sea of thieves right but you do there is generally like you do have quite a core community that that, that do quite of are very invested they're super fans they do kind of tend to you know tend to engage with a lot of stuff that we, we put at the pirate emporium and so i think that's kind of a a natural behavior of people that are super fans right it's like whatever it can be like can be different if you're a i don't know you're a sports team you follow a sports team right like you buy all the jerseys you jersey, go to all yeah. the games you get your season tickets like you end like if it's a hobby that you love it's a thing that you do then then i think it's a natural thing to engage with it in in that way right because it like and again those you don't have any purchase regret from going into that unless your team loses all the games this season or something and then you're like why did i go to all those games but um but so but i think so i think like i can imagine that lots of games studios do have a kind of a, a small group of super engaged people that do invest quite a bit but but and so always trying to steer towards no no how can we kind of how can we spread that load a bit <laughs> and and um you know that's kind of where we try and push and, and, and talk about honestly it's um you know i can see in the in the comments as well kind of some people saying that i own most of the things in the emporium it's like it's uh it's it, it is 
part part of the challenge, honestly. So, um, uh, and it's always something that we have a, have an eye on, but um, it's it, it it's a tough one, right? But 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 I think you can only go into it with with the principles that you want to have and try and steer towards the results that you want to have and and don't kind of try not to get greedy and try not to get kind of um, caught with optimizing sort of one part of it, if you know what I mean, like one set of behaviors or one set of stuff, like don't, don't try and like optimize the revenue per user. So sorry, the, the revenue per paying user um, is more the revenue per everyone that plays, if you know what I mean. So it's kind of try and drive that one up and not the other one. And then you'll, you'll probably operate in a more fairer and um, thing. So it's, it's interesting. Like it's, it's, it's tough because, and it's easy to kind of have your blinkers on and especially when you're having business success and be like, well, we could just, do more of that and get more businesses like we could but but is that operating in the right way right and is it is it doing the the right stuff it's like it's it is really tough um but but we we try and hold ourselves accountable like i say and we try to have kind of very open and and fair conversations around it and try and really always look back to our principles and go if we're making a decision if we're doing something does it does it align to those or are we just fall, falling over ourselves kind of trying to like turn the dollar value up <laughs> right <laughs> like I, like honestly because it can be no because like as a business when you're seeing success it's like well we could see more of that and it's like is it is it the right thing is it more is it adhering to the principles that we want to have for how we want to run our business that, that that means a lot because again like people can make assumptions about monetization and people can assume that a business is like you said oh we can do this so we're gonna do this and mm -hmm. A lot of people assume that that's that's the reality for every business. If if they can do it and if they can get away with it, they're gonna do it, and that's that's why they do it. So it, it does mean a lot. It's not maybe not the most exciting conversation for everyone to talk <laughs> about monetization models for ongoing games, but like I talked about earlier with your team and three four three industries, it's important to have that back and forth. I am more willing to hear you out and invest in your game if you're if you're telling me the reasons you're making these monetization decisions. Because if you tell me the reason you're doing it, uh, there's there's nowhere for me to fill in the gaps with with cynicism or whatever the case might be. So, again, I, I really appreciate you bringing up that point because it's something that I've just rattled around in my brain for a long time as to why not do this? Are you telling me that if you had a bunch of two dollar cosmetics that nobody would buy them, but if you have forty dollar cosmetics, people are going to buy them? So it's it's just been um, a moral there, there dilemma. Is, there is in an interesting own. thing as well because like some people like the value you place on something is the value that people give it right exactly. and so if everything had the same value then some people like some people want the more expensive thing because they want to go out and show it off and so there is there is an interesting set of dynamics and stuff whereas if you just had everything priced the same and everything like that like you know it's kind of like in the world today right it's like a gucci top versus a <laughs> something else right but like yeah. it's, but it's like things have value and people get to recognize it and they get to feel good because they have the thing and it's like there's loads of different kind of things to consider and dynamics and so yeah it isn't quite as simple um so and and i'm only just over two years into learning about it because it's this is the first <laughs> but it is this is the first live service that i've kind of you know had had monetization in it's the first time we've done that rare in terms of having this like like in reality like in, in kind of at, at any scale at least um uh, and so, you know, we've we've launched with our principles, we've then evolved it with our principles, and we're still learning. So, yeah. really appreciate you having this conversation with me. It's not something that we hear a lot of people talk about realistically in this capacity. So, I hope people enjoyed it because, again, it, for me, it's fascinating as someone who's you know immersed in the in this world and and knowing about that. I think that's 
really important to have those conversations, be able to describe, you know, what's best for the players as well as, you know, keeping the Sea of Thieves afloat or the, yeah. the terrible pun <laughs> there. Uh, <laughs> so we talked a little bit about pi a pirate's life and obviously we, we talked about how it's changed the lore of Sea of Thieves and how it was incorporated in a, in a really fascinating way. Um, how exactly did that come about? How, how did this, how did your team approach get approached or did your team approach Disney? What was the conversation that led to Jack Sparrow and Davy Jones in Sea of Thieves? Yeah. Well, um, so it was around two and a half years ago now. Um, we had a meeting at E3 with Disney. Um, so kind of our business manager, business director at, um, had got a mail saying that, you know, Disney were interested in a chat with us, basically. Um, and so, you know, that had kind of, I think, come through the kind of Xbox kind of um, uh, system, really. And uh, so we, we arranged a meeting uh, at Disney. We had no idea, really, what we were kind of conversation we were going into. We were just like, Disney are cool, and they've got some cool IP. Let's let's see what <laughs> let, let's see where this conversation goes. You know, and so it was myself. Uh, it was Mike Chapman, um, our creative director. I think Craig Duncan, our studio head. Um, and I think think Simon Proger, who is our um, kind of audience and kind of brand kind of director at the, at the studio itself at, at Rare. So there were the four of us. Um, and then there were three people, I think, from, um, from Disney. So there was uh, John Drake, um, who you might know. Um, but yeah, he's, he's awesome. Um, like mm -hmm. we had Luigi uh, Priore um, and I think um, uh, Jamon Motez, I think, were three of them who were kind of, um, you know, part of the business development part of Disney and also um, the, the kind of head of the, the gaming side as well was, was Luigi. So, and it was a very open kind of conversation and they were just like very complimentary about, about Sea of Thieves. Uh, and um, obviously we were around kind of Pirates of the Caribbean, but also other, other IPs that they, that they have. Uh, and, uh, you know, they were kind of like, look, you know, if, if we were to go make like a Pirates of the Caribbean game or something like we'd probably spend five years making Sea of Thieves basically <laughs> and like <laughs> like that that was honestly that was kind of their comment right I remember it really vividly because they were like look if we were to make it we'd kind of make the experience that you've made because it's kind of it's the tone it's the humor it's the fun um uh and and they were like you know could could we um you know is there is there anything that you'd be interested in doing basically with us and like they were like look like we you know we want to leave it on your kind of on your table which is like if you're interested in something here go away, have a think about it and then come back to us and kind of, and kind of let us know. Right. So, uh, yeah, so very, very exciting meeting and, and they showed us some really great images as well, actually, which I think they'd kind of pulled together of, of loads of different of their IPs, but just some kind of concept art that they pulled together of imagining interesting things you could do with, with Disney IPs. And so just some really interesting kind of images that were kind of about sparking your imagination, kind of um, giving, like, letting your imagination run wild. And I think it was kind of an inspiration thing to go, hey, like, you know, go use your imagination. Um, and so, you know, it was, I really honestly vividly remember it and um, of, of walking out and like, we just kind of got around the corner of the kind of, we like this the hotel meeting room, just got the corner outside it, like by LA Live, by that kind of square, um, by LA Live. And um, literally like mike and i just put our hands around each other and we were like we're going to do something special here mike and like like just like arms around our shoulders like just walking along because it was just such a surreal meeting and it was such a just the the vibe and the kind of um the the just what's what's the word i can't think but just the alignment between ourselves around how we were talking about sea of thieves and around their ips and just around kind of what was special about him what they thought it was and and it was just really clear from that very first discussion that 
like this could be a thing that could work and that they got sea of thieves they got the game and like and that if we would like I don't know. It was just like just really great kind of personal relationships sort of from the get go, right? Um, no awkwardness. Like it was very open, very transparent, very honest, very kind of candid, and um, uh, and I think that's like it's the way we always want to be at Rare. And so it was really great to kind of have that kindred kindred spirits, I guess, for um, um, for people we were potentially going to be working with. So yeah, so we kind of just went away and. Um, kind of bounced around some potential things of like you know and asked ourselves some of those questions of how you know if we were to do something here why would we do this and how would it fit into our world and what would be the best thing and like you know does it make sense and and you know, really wanted to just we always had to stop ourselves from getting overexcited about this thing <laughs> like we could just go do something cool it's like okay we could let's like let's be sure that it's the right thing right and um and that it fits in and our players are going to love it and it's not just going to be us that loves it and are excited <laughs> about getting a disney logo in our okay, game yeah so um but yeah so so then you know that kind of it just it led to mike going away and really kind of spending some time on his own to basically just go how to like how's this going to work what's that story like how am i going to make this fit and, and work and so yeah he went away he worked with some of our concept artists kind of in secret and and and, and made some amazing images um and, and pulled together a um well in fact initially to be fair the um he pulled together a bunch of really cool images, like imagine if images of um, of their characters and things come into our world and almost kind of showing how we could cross over the two things um, in a way that was in our style, but showed stuff that you'd recognize from their world in ours. And it was kind of, yeah, imagine the possibilities was the title of the deck, because I think that was what the, the the slides they showed us as well, the images they showed us. And so, um, so, so yeah, we invited them over to Rare. So we met them, yeah, in... in June kind of E3. I think we invited them over maybe maybe August, September, October, something like that of that year. So a few months after um uh kind of E3. And it was basically just like come visit the studio, we're gonna show you some cool images and we'll bounce around some sort of ideas again, just kind of see how far can we push this. Like how how far are people comfortable with 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 what we could do. Um and again the images we showed just got great receptions, great kind of alignment. We did a brainstorming session with like of what are the things we could imagine? And, and again, just trying to kind of test the alignment together and test kind of how far can we push off, how, how comfortable are people. Um, again, it was a great meeting. Uh, and so that was when Mike actually went away and, and really kind of um, nailed down the creative, uh, which was basically the pitch of, of a pirate's life, as you, as you see it today, with a bunch of amazing images um, that the concept team worked on. And yeah, so we then headed across to to Disney in January. So end of January uh, 2000. 20 so yeah almost two years ago um uh just before lockdown in fact end end of jan so just before we started working from home about six weeks before we started working from home and um yeah we we took him through the creative pitch and basically they were just like yep <laughs> like not like <laughs> well, honestly like go. no li literally it was like okay so we like we just got to work out the business side basically like like we should the creative side we're good let's go figure out how we're going to make this work for both of us and how we make it work bringing it into a service you know it's not like we're going and making a game for them because there's probably a pretty traditional sort of deal structure you'd get for that and it's like no no we're going to bring it into our service it's going to be free for everyone um you know and so we're going to be like how do we do that and how do we make a business work and what are the goals of it what's it going to bring to the sea of these business what are Disney going to get and like how are we going to make it work in a way? Because, you know, we had, our, again, we had our principles like this. All of our updates and content that we bring like this is free to our players. And the easiest thing for us to do here would have been, going, we could go charge $20 and you buy it and it's separate. Yeah. And and it was like, no, no, it bring, which comes in in the way that everything else does. 
And so, yeah, so we went away, figured out what we thought a business thing could be, and then went and proposed that back to um, to Disney again of going, look, this is how we think it can work. Um, and and then we kind of did a bit of negotiating, but it was largely kind of um, around values rather than the structure. And, um, and then spent a year making a contract because lawyers make... Lot, lot, take lots of time to make contracts um but uh but yeah there's lots of details and it, you can imagine you know the, the legal team at microsoft the legal team at disney like there's lots of there's, lots of back and forth there yeah bless um, them but, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad i don't have to ever be a part of those conversations <laughs> yeah but um but it was you know again we we principally were aligned really quickly around what we wanted to do and, and how we wanted to do it so then it was just like the finer details to be honest and so yeah so we came back from um I remember of all hands actually because we came back from meeting with um, meeting with Disney and kind of did an all hands and t- took our whole studio through. This is what we're going to go do, um, and I'm like, look, it's going to happen. And now all we've got to do is just figure out the business side and what's up. But we've got all the confidence in the world that we're going to be able to figure that out. Um, so we're going to go start this now. So we just started working on it. You know, took that risk of that we would figure out the business side and we'd be able to go do it. And um, yeah, we we sort of started early work pretty much as soon as we got back and it was really sort of june july that year when the the, the full amount of people were working on it because there were still people working on some stuff that was being released like the the i think the ghost ships that were coming out in like june or july and like that kind of stuff so there was you know there were teams working on that stuff that was coming out and then it was like okay we're gonna have one part of our team staying on the live side and then like two-thirds of it basically going and working in secret um uh on the uh yeah on the uh, on the on the secret content that we're bringing in the tales, the features, and yeah. everything else. Yeah, yeah. So uh, and yeah, and all of that was was during lockdown as well. And I think um, you know, I think the fact that we'd been working for a while as a team, we had a pretty good rhythm and structure and and the process of how we worked and delivered meant that that shift was as easy as it could be. Um, still difficult, but but mm. you know, but but then having such a cool thing that we were working on and, and a clear goal and the, like, it's the easiest thing to rally around it's like you know next year's e3 we're going to blow people's minds with this like and we're going to keep it secret and like no so we've just let's go let's go make this happen right and um and it was the first time that we'd worked with an external team like disney like so so you know up until then everything we'd done on on sea of thieves was just ours right like everything we'd built was rip was our own thing no one was approving it like it was just like we're just like what do we want to do that cool let's go do that um you know and and so that's great there's a nice lot of freedom but then you know going into that process of like we're now going to have to kind of get everything approved from the script to how things look to how they sound how they move um you know all of that stuff so we had the high level creative kind of agreement um uh but then uh it was like you know we had to go and work through that process with them so that was an interesting kind of challenge because it was one we hadn't taken on before but um but luckily it was about as smooth as it could have been so um really great team at disney that that worked kind of closely alongside us and kind of just really helped navigate through all of the different people that got to give feedback because you've got you know we made it even harder for ourselves because we had stuff from the ride and the films and so those are completely different teams within disney that have to give approval on on stuff right because um they're they're just different people built those and uh so i think it was the first time people on the ride had really got to kind of give feedback and kind of have this big sections and stuff that had been kind of really inspired by the um the the attraction uh, i should say but uh, yeah so ama- amazing process but um but, but it, it, it's yeah. really it's really fascinating to hear all of that because you know i i've i've talked about how 
I, I genuinely think that this is the the greatest video game crossover we've ever seen. And it's, again, we've talked about this a little bit, but it wasn't just about ham fisting in these characters because it would be cool. And don't get me wrong, it would have been cool um, to have Jack Sparrow in, in Sea of Thieves just, 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 just because. Um, but to take that and make it a meaningful part of the experience, I think is really what makes this so special and so cool is that now these iconic characters are, they're part of the world forever. And that, that's really cool to have this, these moments where iconic characters from Sea of Thieves meet iconic characters from Sea of Thieves and to have that available as everyone or available to everyone and, and not part of some, of some limited time thing where if you didn't get to experience it, it's gone. Sorry. Um, so again, think, think that's really awesome and really cool. Were there ever any conversations to get the, the original voice actors involved? Did you call Johnny Depp and be like, Hey, we, we got, <laughs> we got this going. Are you in? Uh, no, so we, we kind of work with Disney character voices. There's a team, um, uh, there who kind of, you know, they, they'll put forward the kind of recommendations and, and, and things. So, um, and, uh, God, this is really bad now because I'm, I'm out of practice of talking about this, but forgotten the, the voice actor's name for um for jack sparrow that we used can you remember the the, the name I've, i'm like... blank he's the he was the jack sparrow in at world's end he was yeah, he was previously like a... a jack sparrow and he he kills it he like yeah. when i heard so... that trailer i was like oh damn did they get johnny yeah. depp did they actually do yeah, it yeah so but yeah, and so he's voiced previously in games as well, and um, uh, and so it, it kind of made sense for us to um to to go down, kind of down that path again. Um, but uh, yeah, I've forgotten his name. It's a really rememberable name as well because it sounds similar to another actor's name. But oh, I've got drawing a complete blank. But um, <laughs> but yeah, so so you know, so we we work with them, and um, there's a few of the kind of original kind of. Um, voice actors in that you recognize from the film but then most are kind of the ones that they would use for games and so um yeah so that was part of the just kind of working with disney character voices to get the the, the ones kind of recommended by them that were the best ones so yeah but but you know i think i think what the team has done incredibly from the writing of like my kind of um i think chris alcock and and, and team that were that were working on the scripts uh, but then, so, so the script, the voice acting, the animation, the, the the way the characters look and everything, all of that to coming together to just be like, this feels like I've got Jack Sparrow on my boat with me in, in Sea of Thieves, right? And the, like when he's joking around and looking, he's sitting on the map table and joking at all the na place names and like taking, like just taking the the uh, the mick out of everything. Like, um, I, I thought it was incredible i remember watching those uh, some early videos because we used to send videos across to disney um because it made it easier for kind of approval and reviews so as the tales were coming together in the early stages we would capture playthroughs of them and send them across and i remember watching them the early early kind of ones probably around christmas actually about six months before we, we, we released and and just seeing some of those glimpses of it and just it was like the first time I'd seen it all in situ and seeing the kind of line, seeing the delivery, seeing it work. And it was just like, oh, wow. Yeah, we've got something special here. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, I, know, I, I remember the team working on it, watched all those videos together kind of as a treat before Christmas. They spent a day doing it together as like a sort of team building morale thing and going, look, this is the work you're going to, you know, that we're going to go. We're going to come back in the new year and we're going to we're going to know this. Jared Butler. There you go. Jared. Yeah, Butler's I was just the talking to Chad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Because it always sounds like Jared Butler. It's, like, it's not Jared Butler. It's Jared Butler. Yeah. Um, but uh uh but yeah just that, that it's the whole package right like, and, and again in the trailer that was the thing you just wanted everybody to go like that's jack sparrow and 
you know, and and it's in our style of the character, of the voice, and of the face, sorry. And um, mm-hmm. but it's how it's how he moves. It's everything, right? It's like all of those bits contribute to it. Like you, if you get any of those wrong, you don't think you you kind of lose that immersion. You lose that recognition. So, um, so yeah. All right, Joe. Now that we've talked a little bit about the the past and the present of Sea of Thieves. Um, we, we got to talk about the future. We got to talk about, uh, you know, what's on her on the horizon, uh, as they say. My first question regarding Sea of Thieves, and this is something you've covered previously, but how long do you see th- this voyage continuing? Um, you know, have there been talks of doing a, a quote unquote Sea of Thieves 2? Or are you guys happy and committed to just continually evolving Sea of Thieves? Yeah. You know, like I look enviously at other titles coming out and getting really nice review scores. I look, I look enviously at that. Um, and I think if we were to go do a Sea of Thieves two, we'd nail it this time. Um, but you know, that that would be a bit of a selfish motivation for us to go and do a sequel. Um, but you know, I still look sadly at the uh, the Metacritic score. Uh, but, but, oh, yeah. Metacritic, yes. It's all good. Steam reviews are great though. Um, so, Overwhelmingly you know, positive. Like, Let's go. go. Let's go. <laughs> so yeah you know those are the ones that count um but uh but no so you know and in all seriousness like like we've always said for sea of thieves it's like let's we just want to keep growing and evolving it and like there is you know mike and i and my my kind of leadership team are currently reviewing plans for the next few years like mike's kind of gone and roadmap some stuff out some really cool things we want to go do when it comes to evolving like the key steps for, for what sea of thieves will be um and you know obviously we'll like that um as as we as we head through the next few years things will change things will tweak based on feedback but like the key sort of building blocks of the things we want to go do uh, we've got a pretty clear vision for um so but there's just there's just so much you can do in this and like and i'm you know looking at the chat of people going add this new world region Uh or add ship captaincy or like just like you know add more fish whatever like <laughs> like there's just so many different things we can do to kind of continue to grow it like like the season five we just did right with all of the kind of like just this smorgasbord of mechanics that we put in um so you know we just want to keep growing and evolving it and keep bringing it to more people and keep kind of just making it a, a kind of more exciting kind of pirate paradise and like there's n- there's other licensing things we can do there's more kind of there's just there's so much it's actually the challenge is kind of picking the right thing in the right order and and, and stuff but i just like there's there's no like there's no plans for a sequel there's just plans to keep growing sea of thieves right um like that's absolutely it right you know unless i get really 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 frustrated about the metacritic score and eventually decide that we've got to go do a sequel just to get a better review but i don't i don't think that's going to happen what if hear me (laughs) out all you do is you you change the name to Sea of Thieves two, and then just republish it to the storefront, huh? Like it's you know it's not not the craziest idea in the or world. Or Sea of Thieves people... colon something, and then <laughs> yeah, it's there like you a go, new yeah, entry, yeah. right? Exactly. Like... Yeah, Sea of Thieves colon re-review. Yeah, like like <laughs> Navis Crayfish says in the chat there. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. I like that. But yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> but, so yeah, um, obviously yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of super chats in here, and we I'll definitely get to those. Uh, yeah, 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 the section's yeah. all about Sea of Thieves. So yeah. I see those in there, guys. We we'll, we'll definitely get around to. Them. <laughs> um. So when f- hunting, fishing, and cooking were added to Sea of Thieves, I in particular was incredibly excited. I've I've wanted that kind of you know that that element of the pirate fantasy to be incorporated. 
you know, as someone who wants to uh, climb the ranks of the Hunter's Call, focus on the Hunter's Call, are there any plans for expansion with this trading company? Um, whether it be, you know, potential cooking buffs or, or new wildlife, what, what, is the, what is the future of uh, the Hunter's Call look like? As, as much as you can say, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's not anything on the immediate roadmap but but definitely as we look to the future like there were like we're always looking at every single part of it and there's always like you kind of you come back to things when they've kind of been there for a while and you're like and, and but as new features and new things come in that enrich other parts then you'd be like oh actually this ties into this and we can go and like that because so, everything's kind of connected right in mm -hmm. um in, in sea of thieves so yeah so th there there will definitely be some plans to kind of evolve that and evolve evolve it but it's it's not on the immediate roadmap okay kind of, cool we definitely have some plans. and longtime fans of sea of thieves know this and recognize this but essentially in every single trailer for sea of thieves there's been there's been a crab there's been this little <laughs> little crab character who's beloved amongst Sea of Thieves fans. And what I want to know is, is this just a, a fun Easter egg or is this foreshadowing for anything else? Because <laughs> um, it's been years that we've seen this crab. It's... it's it is, and 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 we enjoy we enjoy you know messing around with the crab and messing around with people's expectations. So so I can't I can't remember if Mike has said this publicly or if he's just told me. So I'll, I and in case he's only just told me, like, I won't <laughs> yeah, like, I won't say, yeah. I won't spoil it fully. But um, but but Mike did have a plan um to to kill off that crab um as as <gasps> part of a part as part of a pirate's life. And um, and we actually did did some work to do it, and and there was a bit of a revolt within the team um, as to kind of how and and and, and the kind of the method and the why. And, um, absolute some, monsters. Yeah, some people got a bit a bit a bit upset, and um, so we didn't do it. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so you know, so and, and so Shelley the crab, as people have called that the crab, um, lives on for now. But um. But it's honestly, it's 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 some fun as much as anything else. But I think, like we, you know, I think we put put them in one, and everybody loved it, and we're like, cool, let's have some fun. And it's like, it's a kind of a really cool thing for our super engaged fans, right? Everybody watches the trailer, they look out for it, they recognise mm -hmm. it, and um, but yeah, so like I said, you know, the <laughs> survive for now, um, and uh, if, I, I, if yeah, you like, kill you'll, it, you'll there's, to... there's going to be some outrage. There's going <laughs> to yeah. that Steam review is going to it's going to tank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, imagine that the review bombs for because we killed a crab. Right. Um, that would be a that would be a, a news article right there. But um, but yeah, so I'll let Mike kind of expand further on that um, in the future. But uh, you know, I, I think the future is uncertain, but we will continue to have fun <laughs> with uh, yeah. Crabitha is another name. Yeah, Crabitha uh, or Shelley. But yeah, um, oh, appreciate but. that. So, <laughs> as as Mike elegantly puts it, you know, he, your team is always looking ways, looking for ways to enrich the pirate sandbox. But what I want to know is if your team has ever had ideas or tried ideas that just flat out did not work. Has there ever been a pitch or an, a feature that was in the game and you said, "No, please, we we we're taking this out. This does not work." Yes. Yeah. So. Uh... There's, there's probably two two good examples actually that I can think of on the top of my head. But uh, one, and and this was actually kind of the the beauty of the prototype. So back in the Unity and in, in the prototype, like the original way that Sea of Thieves worked, 
and the way that crews were kind of set up was that you could hurt each other uh, in crews. Oh, no. So yeah, yeah, and so and and when you dug up treasure, the treasure chest would open and it would be full of stuff, and anyone could take any of it. So, and and so, it was kind of it. It played really well. And it was really funny, like, but um, that you'd all work together cooperatively and then you'd get to the treasure and then it would just be chaos. And that was, it ended up, because you'd just end up killing each other, stabbing each other, like trying to steal all the stuff. And, and we thought that would be cool and that'd be funny because it would lead to the kind of the richness of stories. But what it kind of led to was that almost every adventure was the same <laughs> because <laughs> like no one could deal with the kind of the potential backstab and you just had to be the one to do it first almost, right? Was how it ended up playing out. Um, because, you know, once it had happened to you a few times, you just, you just lost the trust. And, and you think about what we always wanted to do was bring strangers together, bring players together to kind of have adventures and form a really solid crew. And the way the ship was designed was all, um, with, with that in mind of like naturally putting people into roles and having to work together to be better. Uh, so yeah, that just, you know, we had that in for a while and then we had to just make a call because we did enough internal playtests where we were like, you know what, like we should, and it was quite controversial at the time and we all had to kind of. We had some debates about it, but we we're like, look, let's just, let's just like, let's turn on invincibility and like between crews and, um, and then let's just try and make it so that the, the stuff you earn is shared basically. And because we had to, we had to keep that bond between crews. Otherwise it was just, it was a different game. Um, and uh, you know, the only way we knew that was by, was by playtesting the death, you know, placing it to death. And because we managed to, you know, we were prototyping and we could do stuff swiftly. Um, you know, we, we managed to find that out fairly early and not, design it on paper and then build it all for real and then be like oh god this doesn't work um because it just wasn't the game we wanted it to be um and and so interestingly as well there's a couple of like there's a few of these actually there's some interesting ones so and one of them isn't quite a feature that didn't work but when we first went to e3 with a playable build um i don't know if you played it like at e3 for the first time when it was just like three ships in a in a, a map and you could sail the ship together the cannons worked and you could um bail water i don't i don't, can't remember if you could repair it but um could you repair it and not bail i can't remember i think it was maybe <laughs> that you could repair but not bail but but you had instruments um uh and uh drinking so you had grog and you had uh, instruments but you didn't have swords or or guns right you just had the cannons on the ship and and you know it was the first time people would play it, it was like a 15 minute session and we'd we you know we set up the ships so they were just out of sight of each other but as soon as you started moving you'd see a ship on the horizon it'd bring you together and you could experience the kind of fun of of, of battling ships together in that 15 minute time slot um but just about two or three weeks before e3 we managed to get the blunderbuss working and so you know we were playing that in internal play tests and it was great but it meant that when you, as soon as you encountered other ships you had a battle with them but then if you got onto each other's ships you'd just blunder like blunderbuss each other and just fight and 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 it just shifted that initial impression of sea of thieves to be only combat focused and so so no one would use the instruments or use the drinking whereas and so we had we made the call like two or three weeks before e3 to just take that out and go look i know we've got it but let's not put it in let's take it out and let's just cuz we want we want some of those videos and some of those reactions to be people just laughing and mm -hmm. like, and just silly. And so it's like, when you get on their ship, all you can do is play instruments together and, and drink together. It's like, that was the first impression we wanted. And so we had to make a pretty controversial decision again, internally. Some people were like, why are you doing that? It's fun. And we're like, yeah, it is, but it's not the impression we want to leave. Like for the first time people get to play this. Um, so again, just that real kind of, 
understanding of what we wanted people to take away from Sea of Thieves to begin with for the first time, you know, what that kind of reaction that people had. We wanted people to laugh and have fun and to see the uniqueness of the music and of the of the drinking and stuff and and not just, you know, we know combat's fun, but it's always gonna be fun. Um um but but just that balance of stuff. Um uh and then and the final one was uh we had a death tax. Do you remember death tax? Do you remember the oh, controversy yes. around the death tax? Yes. Where uh, if you yeah. died, you were penalized financially. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um so so we were planning that for that to be in the initial release of Sea of Thieves, and it didn't quite make it. Um, and because we had to trim it out just beforehand. And so I remember us going putting a post or something in Insiders or something, going like this is coming. Um and because it wasn't there from the start. And like people had got used to playing Seeds as it was, and then suddenly this thing was going to come in and change the dynamics. Like there was a real uproar and stuff, and so we ended up not kind of doing it, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, but but it was so it would have been interesting. Like, had it been there from the start, would it have been okay? Would it have not? I don't know. Um, but I remember that that was a that was the first kind of real, um, I don't know, just kind of experience we had of 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 kind of the importance of thinking about players lived experience in the game and then if you're going to do stuff that changes it like you really have to consider that you have to consider about how you talk about it how you message it what the balance is and and like whereas i think we were just in the mode of well it's like it's just something that hasn't quite made launch we'll just get it in straight away afterwards but because of what it was it really kind of caused a real interesting kind of um uh, dynamic and stuff so that was one of the real early early kind of learning things and obviously it's it's not in there, and um, I don't think it's going to be making a return. The uh, the, the death tax. Then it would have um, been it would have yeah. been the Dark Souls of pirates games, Joe. Right? Yeah, yeah, but... <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, but it would have been gold sink at least. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember the uproar, the controversy, because yeah. I was in the insider program ahead of launch. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, the death tax was was a was a heated debate. People, yeah. like you said, they were playing it. They were accustomed to the experience as it was, and then. You know, when you introduce this idea of, you know, being penalized for someone coming and yeah. killing you, it's, you know, for, yeah. for some I, people, I, that's upsetting. Yeah, and I think it was, there was a lot of feedback as well from people who were like playing Sea of Thieves to just experiment and mess about and do stupid things of like, I want to try firing myself out of a cannon a million times to land in that crow's nest. If I keep dying and get losing money, I'm going to stop doing that. And there was loads of really interesting arguments yeah. against it, right? And it was like, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, I get it. Um, and, you know, there could have been some stuff we'd done there to like not punish you for certain ways and maybe only punish you for, for PvP death or something. But but again, it was, you know, it was one of those things that would have changed the dynamic and, and you know, not necessarily for the better. And it was really interesting to get that feedback from people that were playing it and go, this will change how I'm going to play your game. And it's like, I want to play it in this way and you're, you're going to stop me and stuff. So it was it was fascinating. But, um, and, you know, that's why we have, that's how we have insiders like to kind of catch us on things like that, right? Um, don't so, you dare, uh, don't you do it, Joe. <laughs> don't you do that. <laughs> yeah and so- sometimes there'll be things where we have to push things through because we've got a vision but but that one was where we were like you know what okay maybe we'll, listen. we'll listen here um so speaking of features that might not work won't work can can i pitch an pitch an idea to you joe well while i have you here in this let's, let's this go hot let's seat. go so yeah, i'll settle back with my glass of wine and um, you know yeah. you know as as see if these was introduced we had we had the banana the iconic banana, our means of sustenance, our, our way of, of healing and surviving this pirate world. Your team has done an excellent job of expanding the food options. Now we have coconuts, we have pomegranates, we have all these different, uh, you know, food items that we can eat, we can cook with the fruit, you know, we can burn that, funny things like that. I've always envisioned a, a dual means for the food. 
So the coconut, for example. In addition to eating the coconut, I would love to be able to take that coconut, throw it at a pirate's head, and have that a headshot with this coconut stun that pirate. Or with the pomegranate, for example, or a mango. I would love to take that mango, mango throw it in a pirate's face, give me the, the a colored like puke effect that obscures that pirate's vision. Um, yeah. That's my pitch for expanding the uh, enriching the food of Sea of Thieves. So it totally makes sense and, it's, and, it, and would be totally doable. Like, like if I think about kind of mechanically, like we already throw stuff, right? Like, and um, so it would be, and it's perfectly on tone with Sea of Thieves, I think. Like, so, you know, interestingly, like in the original prototype in Unity, um, like part of our, like we had so many different things we experimented with, but, but one of them was that coconuts were in trees. And so what you had to do was go up to a tree and shake the tree and like coconuts would fall out. But if you were right underneath the coconut, it'd fall in your head and knock you out. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. let's bring that yeah. back. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So but it was really funny as well. But, um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, so kind of honestly, it just reminded me of that, to be honest. But, but it's totally on tone. It's totally the sort of thing that we could do and like, and you know, if, if we were to go and do one of those kind of season five updates where there's a bunch of different kind of cool quality of life things, that might be one of the things that you could kind of get in there. But um, um, so, yeah, I like I, I like it. I think it's fun. I'd obviously, obviously, I I have to bow to my design team and my development team, who are the ones that ultimately make the decisions around that. Like, like I, I, I sadly am not. So do I have um, to DM you know, Andrew? Who am I? Who am I getting a hold of? Here? <laughs> yeah, like pre Presto probably. Presto is probably like your best one. Yeah, Andrew. Okay. Andrew yeah. is the. You know, he's he's the one that um that will take that and kind of run with it. It's because so so with the season five team actually, it's really interesting. I don't know if you've got questions about season five coming up or something. If I'm if I'm jumping ahead and spoiling, but um the the way that that team worked on season five was they they kind of our only real guidance for that like broadly was like we wanted like a tools not rules update, right? We wanted cool. it to be a smorgasbord of, of kind of stuff we felt the game kind of could do with could do with a, a kind of a you know an enriching on, on that front and um and and stuff and so you know we gave this kind of strategic guidance and they they broadly went up and came with the plan and the vision for what they wanted to do themselves and there was a lot of ideas contributed from with, within the team but also some of that stuff comes from every friday afternoon they have like what they call like a skunk works afternoon which is basically where they just go and try stuff and prototype things and see if they can get cool stuff to work that potentially we can then go oh this now becomes something we're going to go and make you know turn into a real feature that has to go through the proper processes and planning and testing and auto you know, getting it to work and, and things um uh, and i think the rats um kind of on the sinking ship came from that skunk works um and I think the talking voices one did as well. Yes. So the kind of, the, yeah, the yes. moving lips like that came from it. But but that kind of thing is totally the kind of thing that they could go and mess about with and see if they could get working in an afternoon and see if it works. Like, so that's that's what I'd say on that. Like basically, yeah, just get get Presto excited about it and then uh, yeah. then we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right, my, my mission's clear. <laughs> I, I do have to give a quick shout out to the the talking in Sea of Thieves. Um, again, not a feature I, I thought about really because you had the static movement of your pirate's mouth like chewing, little animations yeah. like that. But I remember vividly playing uh, Little Big Planet 2 online with friends, and they had uh, lip sync for game chat and that, and playing out with friends and just dying because of the stupid jokes you could make with the, with the characters, and then you know being able to emote, being able to do the sexy dance emote, and and joke around with friends on the ship in game chat or or other pirates is ah, uh, it just adds so much to the like silly immersive experience of it. And, you know, it's encouraged me to play in in-game chat more because there's a lot of cool mechanics that encourage it already. But 
by habit, a lot of friends and I just instinctively jump in party chat and that's how we play. Yeah. Now we're yeah. starting in party chat and go, all right, we're going to switch to game chat. We're going to make sure we're in game chat so we can take advantage of that. Nice, nice. No, that's cool. That's interesting. I can um, go, I might go and look at the data and see if it has caused much of a shift. Like, because like, like you said, we can we can look at that and track that. And and I understand it. I play in parties a lot and, and stuff. So, um, but yeah, it's it's a lovely little thing. Right? It's just again, it's tone, it's funny, it's humor. It just mm -hmm. adds to the immersion in the world and and stuff. So yeah, back just bang on for the type of stuff that we should be adding. So, all right, Joe. Now we're gonna we get we got a bunch of audience questions here, and obviously. Awesome. We're not expecting you to drop any bombshells. So I'm looking at some of these and pre-screening some of them. And um, they have some big asks here, Joe. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you with these. Uh, first up, Mr. Joanna Dark says, Hello, gentlemen. With creatures like the Kraken, is there a possibility we could see other sea creatures or monsters like uh, Cthulhu or Ursula? Yeah. Um... There's always a possibility. Um, <laughs> you know, so, yeah, yeah. No, th there is always a possibility. I think... Um, the thing with the Megalodon uh, or uh, the, the Kraken is it's a big investment um, to, to go do that, right? And the, the, the Megalodon was somewhat easier to do because it was built on the mechanics, like in the initial mechanic of having a shark, right? Like, and so it wasn't just scaling up the, the, the shark, but um, sadly, because we had to add all of the weight attacks and attack ships and targets things and everything. But... But at least it had a sort of a bit of a grounding that we could then go and build upon. But but still, you know, very unique and the Kraken, very unique mechanics. So any big sea creatures like that, it's just it's just a big investment, but totally doable and totally fits into the kind of things that we would love to bring into the um, the, the world in the future. It's just like they they you know if we're going to go and do a big sea creature like that, you want it to be unique. You want it to feel really special and and stuff. And so. Yeah, and um, yeah, fun, inter interesting little anecdote about the Megalodon, actually. So that was obviously our first major update for Sea of Thieves, right? Um, kind of post-launch, and <clears throat> we really wanted to make sure it was a secret, um, like that we were working on it. And so we have kind of code names in our kind of in our in our code base, basically for like for the feature toggles. So we have toggles that we toggle on off. But, but you know, if anyone goes and data mines the, the build, they can see the names of the the feature toggles. Um, and so we called it Tiny Shark, basically, was what we <laughs> called <laughs> was what we called the Megalodon. Um, uh, and, it, and it didn't leak uh, kind of ahead of it first getting into into insiders. But we were like, how do we keep the secret? And we were like, let's just call it Tiny Shark. And, uh, and that stuck. Yeah. But, um, suspects just, tiny shark. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly right. It was like, yeah, cool. It's just a tiny shark. But, uh, but, um, but yeah. So yeah, it's totally the kind of thing we do. It's just a big investment. So we just have to kind of go. What's it going to bring? When's the right time to bring stuff in like that? But, but yeah, I, you know, I get excited. I think thinking about what we could potentially do for for future things there. Uh, Faisal 007 with another another uh, crossover question here. When is Sea of Thieves and Peter Pan? When is the Sea of Thieves and Peter Pan crossover <laughs> happening? Indeed, indeed. L you know, lots of possibilities for the future of Sea of Thieves, right? Like, and um, like, it's like, who knows? Who knows what's wh what we're going to do next and what's going to come to Sea of Thieves? But um, um, again, it's this, but it's the same kind of answer. Like I think I talked about before, right? It's like you've got to make like, why would something like this happen? How would it fit into our world? What would be the, you know, is it is it something that would make sense and and, and fit in and stuff? So we have to. Like whether it was Peter Pan or any other kind of IP would have to go look at their world, look at their background, look at their backstory. What would be the motivation of characters and stuff coming to see a thieves? Like you've got to kind of make sure that it that it fits and works. So, um, but you know, I'm sure Mike has given that a bit of thought along with a bunch <laughs> of other stuff. So, like you know, um, who who knows? 
Uh, super chat here from Binyabik, who says, only could just join. Another One Piece request here. <laughs> biggest pirate game in the world. Biggest anime in the world. When is One Piece coming? Japan yeah. market would eat it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure they would, right? Like, and, and there are some One Piece fans in the studio, right? Like, there, there are. Like, there are, there are people that like are, are big fans of it. Rare. Right. Again, it's it's the same kind of thing. Honestly, it's all about like, does it make sense? Does it fit? And also, kind of not just um, does it fit, but there's also there has to be a passion and an understanding for it within the studio. Like, and that that applies to anything. Like, like the fact that. Mike Chapman, our creative director, is the biggest Disney fan of all time. Basically, right? You know, he um, I think he he went to Disney World or Disneyland. I can't remember which one, but um, when he was like seven or something, and I think he was like his his dream from that point on was to be an Imagineer. Like that was his kind of goal. Like that was his like goal growing up as a as a child was to be a Disney and Imagineer. You know, and and he, I think he changed that that to be a you know to get, go and be a game designer eventually. But um, uh, and. But but having him and having his understanding of the Pirates of the Caribbean world and of the, and and of Disney, but having kind of that passion and that knowledge, that understanding, means that like when we go do it, it's true to the it's true not just to our world, it's true to the to to the um the other IPs that we're working with as well. So fans of that IP can come in and it totally just makes sense too, right? Like it's like that has to be how we do anything. Like so you know I'd say the same for for any of those kind of asks. Like we've got a make sure it fits in the world make sure there's people with passion that are going to make do it justice right and it's not just and it's not just us going you know as right as it might be that like the japanese market might kind of like be super passionate about it we wouldn't go make a decision purely based on a business kind of justification like that it has to be has to come from the heart it has to come from like the spirit of why we're doing this not just like yes there could be there could be business benefits to doing something like that but it's got to come from kind of like the passion of the team and, and of something that fits into our world like that has to be how we make those decisions Love, love hearing that. Uh, Harjeet Chani says, uh, we already covered this a little bit, but how long would you like to keep supporting Sea of Thieves? Yeah. And like, honestly, like that, like, it's as long as people are playing it. Like, there's like, that's always the answer I've kind of given, but it's true, right? It's like, if people are playing Sea of Thieves, like, we've still got loads of cool ideas to, to go do. And, you know, and we're running it as a as a you know moderately successful business it's like it's doing all right and uh <laughs> like no but like you know it's 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 doing well and so and that's an important thing too right like it's like you have to kind of you like um like run, run it as a business as well as just being a cool thing that we had um add cool content to and um but, but if people keep playing it and they keep loving it and they keep sharing their stories and, and stuff then that's kind of that's what sea of thieves is there for right and um uh, so yeah, as long as as long as we can, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A a super chat from Georgie here, who's asking a bold question, um, completely unrelated to Sea of Thieves here, but I'm gonna say it. When are we getting Banjo Three E? <laughs> Lol. Yeah. I'm sure you so, yeah, um, you know exactly. You know the release date. Yeah, we've never Banjo never 3E. never had that question before. Yeah. Um, you know it's. The, the kind of thing at, at Rare, right, is like we're very much kind of looking at how do we do new, cool, interesting, like interesting things, right, is is kind of what Rare, Rare's kind of current focus is. Like Sea of Thieves is new and interesting and unique and was the first time um, Rare had done something like this. Everwild is, you know, stands on its own as a very different experience. And I know lots of people will be like, like I'm not going to answer anything on that. Um, like there's <laughs> lo like that's 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 Louise and team. That's their that's their job. And that, that's their, you know, I don't I don't want to kind of spoil any of their story. But um, but I know it's. It's, that's very different very unique and they're trying you know they're, they're doing something different but very much with that kind of focus on interesting stories and 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 um, bringing kind of players to 
together to, to have interesting stories, but in their own way, sort of different to Sea of Thieves. Um, and so, you know, that's very much the vision of, of kind of the current two projects. And I think each time we go and decide what are we going to do next for Rare, we kind of, it's kind of down to that leadership team, that group of people that are going to go kind of look at what are, what do they think is a really interesting that they're super passionate about. Kind of like the way we look at IP integration into um, into Sea of Thieves, right? It's got to be something that you kind of believe in, that makes sense to you, that you're super passionate about. Um, um, but so, so I think that's kind of the thing. It's not like we're not just going to go and say we're just going to go and do this thing. Like, like it's got to be about that leadership team. And so, you know, there isn't a isn't anyone spinning up that third thing and like at rare yet so um uh but but when it happens it will go through the same process as sea of thieves and everworld did right in terms of the planning and the figuring out what 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 that what that team wants to do yeah i mean that's exciting here i mean i i you know i often speak for rare uh, with no sort of inside <laughs> knowledge here but it seems like the, the focus for for a lot of these teams is to you know experiment Try new ideas, mm -hmm. try new systems, mm -hmm. and find ideas in, in worlds that you're passionate about and excited about. And as much as there are legacy fans of Banjo, and it would be cool to see Banjo come back, for me personally, I, I get more excited when people like yourself and people like listening to Mike, Mike talk about yeah. Sea of Thieves and, and the ideas and what gets him excited. That gets me excited. When you have people who have a, a really bold idea for something, and it's something that I'm not familiar with and no one's familiar with, that that's way more exciting to me than you know a, a sequel just just to have a sequel. Not saying that Banjo Three E couldn't come out and do something completely different, but mm -hmm. I would hope that when it does, that that's the vibe. That's the reason it comes back is because somebody says, "This is my vision for Banjo. Here's how we're bringing it back." And again, I don't like to, I don't ever like to hear of a team working on something just to work on something. It's not exciting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And I think that's it. And you're bang on with Rare. And I think like we're in a super privileged position and it's like, which is that, you know, we're a member of Xbox Game Studios, like we're a member of first party. We get all of the benefits that kind of comes without being part of this massive organization of, you know, getting to be front and center in kind of big E3 presentations and the big shows and stuff like we get, you know, there's loads of real privilege that kind of comes with that, that gets eyes onto your title and gives you a chance of kind of being successful. But um we we also get total freedom to kind of go and do the things that we're really excited and passionate about and yeah we have to build a a case for it and we have to convince people as to why we're going to go do this but you know we get to make the games that we're really excited about we get to really innovate and we get to take risks um and you know luckily the that also is leading to kind of business success too but but the fact that we're in that position where we get to go and try crazy stuff and get to do things because like I, I look at Sea of Thieves now and I look at like other experiences and there still isn't anything like Sea of Thieves and there still isn't anything like that like you know that that, that update we did for season five that kind of random selection of things that I, I I don't think there's any other games that would go and put all of those things into their game right or things of that kind of ilk which are just tools to go and mess about with like you know the the fireworks and um just like just everything like i said the voice stuff the rats like there's just so much fun and, and love and, and just uniqueness that goes into that and um and and that's because of that freedom that we have as a as a first party studio but with the backing that, that, that we have and so to you know to be in a position where we can go and decide what's the next big crazy idea we want to go do what's that and why do we want to go do it and, and to get really passionate and excited about that and to get the chance to do it that's a real privilege like that's a real privilege to do um so yeah we're very very lucky i think and in a very unique position um um to to, to do that so it's uh 
No, it's a it's a cool studio, is right. <laughs> I agree. Uh, Dometic asks uh, ask Joe when his and Rare's plan for their next football their next football match oh, yeah. against Playground Games. Joe was the MVP. Is this true? Were you out there crushing it? I, I... I was I well I wouldn't say I was crushing it but um like sadly we lost it was a very good game though and, and you know kudos kudos to playground it was a, oh it was a, again talk about privilege like this was so cool like so like so for, so for those that don't know we we um we ch we challenged them last year to a game of FIFA um, which we did on a live stream but where you know where everyone controls it, the each individual player so we had like ten um, rare employees versus ten playground employees all in their positions and and playing and sadly playground beat us at that so we then challenged them <laughs> sadly we you know so we challenged them this year to playing uh, on a real pitch which was at St George's Park which is the FA so the Football Association like the national training centre for the England football team oh, wow. so it's where they kind of yeah yeah so so the pitch we played on was exactly the same size as Wembley Stadium which is the national stadium in the UK so it's like massive and um and you know amazing surface and, and everything and so yeah so we played that and live streamed it so it was like a squad of like 16 or 17 of us against uh, like 16 17 of um uh, of playground and they, they had graham boyd as well so ac bongos was was guesting for them as well he played for them um so yeah so we took the lead early on but then we went four one down at half time but we kept we came back to four three but they sadly they got a couple of late goals and, and it was six three in the end but it was a great game like so and the commentary <laughs> so we had some guest commentators it was absolutely brilliant but um but yeah so i'm i'm sure you know and I and I, I did score a goal. It was it was alright. Um, but uh, uh, but you know had to had to throw that in. It was a free kick like edge of the box <laughs> in the corner. And uh, Ralph was in goal by the way. Ralph Fulton was in goal. So um uh so I scored against Ralph, which was really the only thing I wanted from the whole day. Um uh but uh but yeah we, we we, i'm sure we, we will be playing two back to back rare L's right like yeah can't, I know this it's, can't it's be the end of the yeah song. I know like yeah like and honestly if if we lose to them again like they're gonna be um. Like unbearable to be honest. Um, yeah. So, because uh, uh, yeah, they celebrated as well. They really enjoyed beating us like this time. But like, but but fair play. Like they deserved it. They played really well. But um, uh, but it was it was honestly such a great experience. It was organised. It was for special effects, the kind of gaming charity. So we had a ton of donations. So thanks to anyone that watched and 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 donated. But it was an incredible experience. It really was. Um. So yeah, we will be looking at, at kind of how do we you know. We'll be practicing a lot, I guess, <laughs> is like to try and turn up and give them a real game because it was a, it was a good game, but um, but yeah, they played well. So working on that that off season, you know, getting yeah. getting it down. Uh, yeah. <laughs> super chat here from Jake uh, Mochlin. I might have butchered that last name. If I did, I apologize. Uh, hey Joe, I was one of the three original Pirate Port Radio guys. Love wow, the okay. Easter egg on Golden Sands for it. Question: Any chance we see a Snow or Viking DLC? I had to leave yeah. Pirate Port for family issues. That's sad. That that's that's a shame. But ama amazing to hear from you, Jake. So um, so for those who don't know, I think Pirate Port Radio was like the first ever podcast for um for Sea of Thieves, which was like in the early days prior to launch. Uh, you know, all after I think the kind of probably the first E3 reveal, it sprung up and everything. I've, I've still got the hat somewhere with the with the logo on that they sent. But um, yeah. So you know, we 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 see a lot of questions for kind of the the, the Snow Viking DLC. Um, like we don't have any immediate plans for um, you know, I think we've got ways that we want to go enrich the world enrich the game experience um and, and and if we were to do that then we'd have to look at how we do new mechanics as part of that like we did with the um uh the kind of forsaken shores update but yeah we don't have any immediate plans for that i think we've got some more 
um you know i think it's i, I get why people ask for it but i think there's some more interesting things that we've got planned over the next year which i think will uh, excite people more than than that would <laughs> all right one one last one here joe a uh, happy cloud gamer says will we get more stories like jack sparrow's story so cool interesting um you know we definitely have plans to evolve the world evolve the narrative evolve the lore of, of sea of thieves as we look to the as we look to the future um uh and you know we'll talk more to that i think as we head into the new year but but yeah we've definitely got kind of some plans for how we continue and and you know not just stories like that but um you know some of the the storylines and threads that maybe have led been led kind of that we've left for a while and things there's lots there's lots that we have um in our plans we've got some really interesting stuff coming up in the in the new year but not not, not quite in the same vein as that but yeah definitely lore and and narrative and evolving worlds are going to be things that we're going to be tugging on a bit as we head into head into the, the next year into <laughs> <laughs> well, appreciate that joe uh, the last two hours have, have absolutely flown by. Uh, we're going to start wrapping up the show here. I want to give a huge shout out to you for taking time out of your day to hang out with me, humor all of our questions about Sea of Thieves, and it's genuinely been awesome to get your perspective on things like video game monetization and Xbox Game Studios and, you know, the culture of, of Microsoft and Xbox and, you know... I, again, really appreciate it. This has been a huge way to celebrate 50 episodes of this of this little Xbox podcast. And for all the amazing people here, um, do you do you have anything you want to say to Sea of Thieves fans? Um, yeah, good good question. Um, you know, I th I think I always say this, or at least I said it last year, and I was telling the truth. Um, but like you know, the next year will always be the biggest year yet. Um, but <laughs> but um, I, you know, and like I, I, we we kept we you know we we followed through with that um last year. But but honestly, I think our plans for kind of what we want to do and how we want to evolve the world next year. There's some really really cool stuff coming up. Um, and we're always looking at how we learn from what we've done before how we level up how we do continue doing the stuff people like but then continue kind of where are gaps we can fill in where are different motivations we can meet kind of um there, there's just yeah there's 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 a lot of exciting stuff that's coming next year so you know thank you to everyone that has um been part of the been part of the adventure and, and has come on this with us so far but um uh like we're as in love with sea of thieves as we've ever been um and it and it's interesting because like by, by i think kind of april next year the game will have been live for um just over four just over four years right and yeah, um four, four but, years. but yeah yeah but we kicked it off in um april 2014 was when we first started sort of working on the prototype and so um like that will have meant that the game will have been live for basically longer than we worked on it prior to launch which is just like right? <laughs> um like like amazing not like mind-blowing but but it's I don't like I think one of the questions we almost asked ourselves like and, and we're as a risk almost going into working on the service was like, would you kind of fall out of love with it or would you get bored? Would you want to go start something new? And like and that just hasn't been the case for people kind of working on the team, working on the Sea of Thieves, because that you get that chance to to continue to evolve, to continue to put stuff out, to get the feedback from people, to watch people play and see their stories and stuff. And that just continually fills you with energy. And, um, and you know, we have loads of people at the studio that play the game regularly and, and everything. And so um, it's, you know, it's, 
like it's 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 mind blowing to be working on a game for so long, but just still have so much energy and passion and and driving to see it across the team and you know um so yeah so thank you to you know to everyone that's played Sea of Thieves and that has shared their stories because that's the thing that does it for us right honestly like it's I think you see you saw Andy Preston like asking for people to share their season five stories on Twitter and kind of like that. Cause that's the thing that feeds us, right? It's like, we, w when we see videos, we don't expect, we see stories, we see people talking about what it means to them about their friends, their family, like whatever, like all of those things are the things that give us the energy to keep going. So like, just keep playing, keep sharing the stories. And like, that's what, that's what keeps us going. Right. So, um, yeah, it's a, a privilege to be, to be working on it and be part of the, the team at Rare. Absolutely love hearing that. I mean, as long as there are things to come in Sea of Thieves, I will continue to play Sea of Thieves. Again, I've you know, with you here. I don't. I don't want this to seem ingenuous at all. But uh, it's one of those game, one of the the rare instances, and I've, I've talked about this before, um, where I genuinely think this is this is the most important new IP that Xbox has has released in in quite some time, because of the fact that it focuses on. What, what I love about gaming and that is the that is the creativity that is the the player freedom that is this this experience that is wholly new and there are successful models and there's a lot of people that try to mirror those successful models for what a certain type of game can be but I think I speak for everyone when I say that the, the experiences that we remember the most fondly are the ones that we we didn't expect and the ones that completely shift what we what we expect and know a video game to be. And I, the first time I played Sea of Thieves, uh, th I had never played anything like it ever. And, and that is, in this modern age of video games, that is incredibly rare to have experience that is holy and genuinely unique. And I got to applaud Rare for, for doing it and, and taking those risks and, and putting out something that people maybe aren't comfortable with. But um, yeah. Yeah, that, that's my spiel there. <laughs> I appreciate it. Like I say, it's a privilege to be in a position that we can and um, that people, you know, that that you can do stuff like that and people turn up and they play it and they love it. And that's why it's so cool to do like an update like season five and to see how it lands and to see all of the way people just go, yeah, I'm going to do this, this and this with the fireworks and see how it just changes the sandbox. It's it's, it's awesome, right? Like, like so lucky to be able to work in something like this. And, and yeah, love, love to hear that. It's a great message. And thank you. And I'll make sure I pass that on to the team. So. Who whose idea was the storage crate transfer? Because they need all the yeah. commendations possible. That uh, is some, someone on Andy Preston and um and I, on that team. I don't know specifically whose idea it was, but fair play. Yeah, they, they, they. huge <laughs> shout out to them because that has yeah. made loading the ship just a it's a transformative experience when you're when you're loading up the ship. So for quality of life, that is the the biggest ad <laughs> for season five. Love that. <laughs> nice. All right, we get one more super chat here. Uh. Yo, Donnie says, I want to thank the team for honoring folks like Xbox Addict in-game with Easter eggs. Generous gesture that's well-loved and respected. Yeah, yeah, no, th thanks. That's a that's a, a, a lovely message. And um, it's it's hard not to get emotional thinking about uh, thinking about Xbox Addicts. You know, I'd like, I'd, I'd met him a few times at, at E3, chatted to him a lot, I think at the kind of, fat, one of the fan fests. Um, we sat and chatted over a beer for ages and, um, you know, like, one of the nicest guys one of the most genuine guys you could possibly meet and um and honestly i remember being i remember exactly where i was when i heard that that he'd unfortunately um passed away at kind of such such a young age and um 
I was, I was kind of at dinner. I was in Seattle actually at the time, and I remember just kind of seeing it. I think on Twitter. I think because I think um I think his his mum I think had kind of tweeted from his account or something, mm-hmm. and I remember just yeah. kind of showing it to Craig because like Craig Duncan and the studio head, and like we were just like in shock. Um and but but you know knowing um because we had an Easter egg in the game for him at the time and. Uh, uh, and so we then wanted to go and actually like, what could we do? And we went and amended it and changed it and um, kind of put that kind of candle there and, and everything. Um, uh, because yeah, we, he was just yeah, an incredible member of the, of the Xbox community and we all knew him personally. And um, you know, the, the fact we could do something like that and it became like, what I loved about it the most is that that became a place that like members of the community would go and pay their respects right, and leave treasure there. So there'd be times when you'd just go in there and someone would have left treasure for the kind of the next person. It was just like, that's what's great about people, right. And about gamers and just like communities and, and things. And it, and it, and it represents him perfectly. Um, you know, like I say, like one of the most genuine nicest guys I've, I've ever met. And, um, it's it's amazing that we we get to have that that that's there in our in our world and and yeah. just honors and remembers him right like that's amazing that we get to do that yeah again like for a lot of people you know regardless of where you live in the world or your or your background it, it's cool to have those moments where you know we can all share in that in that kind of passion for gaming and yeah those those kind of memorials in game are always incredibly special um but on that we are going to end this episode of Xbox Chatterdays. Again, huge shout out to everyone who tuned in live. Huge shout out to everyone who was going to listen after the fact. And huge shout out to Joe Neat for hanging out with me on this show today. Um, I'll, I'll be back next week and have an excellent weekend, everyone. Take care. <laughs>